I'd be willing to make a bet, a gentleman's bet, that if Kim Jong-un did an interview with, say, I don't know, Dave Rubin, he would be allowed to say basically anything. He could talk about how he wins all the elections fair and square in North Korea, how everyone loves him. It's all perfect. There's no corruption. Gulags don't exist. And there's no suppression of people's rights. None of that. YouTube would have no problem with him saying literally whatever, whatever he wanted to say. I mean, obviously, if he made direct threats against the person, take him down. But I bet if he also started talking about how, you know, uh, making claims about war and, and, and their missile tests and just lying, YouTube wouldn't care. If Donald Trump comes out and says things, you may have seen Dave Rubin interview him. He just has these huge bleeps and he's like, you're going to have to go off platform to watch because they'll actually just take down the video. It's strange how that works. And joining, uh, we, we've got a couple different guests today. Of course, we have China Uncensored uh, joining and we've, we've had you guys before. So I'm, thanks for coming back. But we have a special guest, North Korean defector, who actually just told me that the woke are crazier than North Korea was. Yeah. Wow. So Yanmi Park is here. Do you, uh, so we'll learn all about uh, your story and we'll have a general conversation about the region and North Korea. Do you want to just uh, briefly introduce yourself? Yeah. Um, where do I even look at? <laughs> so many your people to look Name, at. where you're from and okay. why you left. So my name is Yanmi Park. Um, I was born in North Korea, Northern part. I escaped in 2007 into China uh, after two years of <laughs> slavery in China, unfortunately. I had to cross the Gobi Desert to Mongolia by walking. Wow. Then I, in 2009, that's where I flew to South Korea from Mongolia. Wow. And I came to America in 2016 earlier to, to go to Columbia University in New York. Wow. Yeah. Suffice to say, it's really nice in America. Uh-huh. America's great. <laughs> 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 we have uh, our problems. Oh, yeah. Massive problems. Mm. Wow. Well, we definitely, I definitely want to hear about this and, and, you know, the comparison between what's happening in America and obviously the hardships you've gone through. Mm -hmm. And of course, we got China Uncensored. Shelly, yeah, whoever wants to introduce themselves. Uh, I'm Shelly. I'm the humor ninja for China Uncensored. (laughs) And I'm Chris. I host China Uncensored and America Uncovered. Right on. So we have a, we have a lot to talk about, I guess. How about we just talk about North Korea? We'll start with that. What about it? <laughs> how, how, how is it? I, I've seen, I yeah. saw, I, I remember seeing this, uh, video before. Actually, I'm, I'm, I'm forgetting my, my, my place here. Guys, you gotta smash the like button. You gotta go to timcast.com. Yes. You gotta become a member and subscribe to all of our content because we have a bunch of awesome content, uh, coming up in the future. We are gonna be doing, uh, another vlog tomorrow at Cast Castle. Plus we've got the paranormal show beginning and some stuff about Searching for Lost Confederate Gold is on the list. So, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go to TimCast.com. Like, share, subscribe. It's Friday. We chill on Friday, and we're going to have some, some conversations. So let's just uh, get into the conversation. So I saw this video that went viral that claimed it, it uh, reportedly it was made in North Korea talking about homelessness in the United States. Yeah. And it was saying, like, look how bad it is in America mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. all these people who don't have homes, and North Korea isn't like that. Yeah. So I guess we'll just uh, – Start, starting with this, right? Mm. How clearly there's uh, an internal view of North Korea mm-hmm. and a, a view that people there have of the United States. Mm-hmm. And then from that, your experience, you know. So how about we just, how about we, I just start over and say, what was it like growing up in North Korea? Why did you want to leave? So <laughs> North Korea, almost like when I describe it, it's not like even different country. It's like a different planet. Wow. Right? They don't, in this 21st century, they don't have electricity right and they if you look at the satellite photos it's the darkest place on earth like literally 
So I say like we have Earth Day every day in North Korea. <laughs> Very good for the environment. And we don't even know what internet is. Like people have no clue, right? And they don't have any other information. So North Korea literally calendar begins when Kim Il Sung was born, mm-hmm. not when the Jesus Christ was born. Right. And they don't even tell us that we are Asians. They say uh, you are Kim Il Sung race. Really? Yeah. Wow. That's the the racism or you know the highest. So they do not let you know what the outside world look like. And I didn't even not know Africa, different continents. I never seen the map of the world. Wow. All I knew was North Korea, Americans, but they say American bastards. That's like a one word. Really? Yeah. So how did you know that you had it bad, or how did you know that you wanted to leave? I did not know I had it bad. Because I, I remember they were showing us these footages of Americans and showing the homeless people, right? And <laughs> they look at America. There's no birds because everybody ate the, all the birds. <laughs> so I, I heard that. Yeah. We didn't, though. Yeah. Um, actually, that's not, that's, that's not completely untrue. Mm. What was it? The passenger pigeon? Mm, Do yeah. you guys know this? Yeah. Extinct. They used to go out with nets and just catch pigeons and then eat them, and they drove it to extinction. Mm-hmm. Wow. Interesting. So that actually happened, but we we do have a lot of birds, and there's pigeons everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's pigeons on boats. Exactly. You know? Yeah, and so so what happened? And they show they, they cannot they like eat the snow because they are so hungry. Basically, they are describing what we were having in North Korea. And and then in schools like that, like they say, <laughs> there are four American bastards. You kill two American bastards. Then how many American bastards left to care? Then as a younger, you said two American bastards. So even though th- when they teach you math, it has to be propaganda. Interesting. Everything has to lead to one thing is brainwashing us. Wow. So North Korea is actually op- apparently is a religion. It's a kingdom, right? Yeah. They, Kim Il-sung's uh, parents were Christians. So he copied the Bible. Said, I'm a God. I love you so much. So I'm giving my son Kim Jong-il. Mm. His body dies, but no, no, his his like spirit is with us forever. Therefore, he knows what you think, how much hair you in your head. Wow! I mean, if the people believe in Bible, I mean, why would you blame people not believing that, right? Because they cut out every information, so people do not know even what his critical thinking is. So, how did it come to be that you decided to leave? Hunger. I wow. was 13 years old. Mm. Uh, I was luckily by then I was living in this border town. And at nighttime, I could see lights coming from China. And I was thinking, maybe if I go build the lights or I might find something to eat. Wow. I did an interview <laughs> with mm-hmm. some New Zealanders mm-hmm. who rode motorcycles through North Korea into South Korea. Mm-hmm. Have you ever, did you ever hear of them? No. So uh, they organized what, what these uh, individuals wanted to do was travel motorcycle. They wanted to ride motorcycles along famous routes. So they did like the Silk Road. Oh. They did the coast of South America. And then they, they they wanted to do through North Korea into South Korea, but there's no real roads to do oh. it through. So it's very difficult. Mm. But they were telling me how when they went through there, they were saying like, this is what they explained to me. And so this is hearsay. And mm-hmm. I just, well, you know, you can correct me that if there was like a farm mm-hmm. and a cow died, yeah. They couldn't eat the cow. No. That someone would have to come and take the meat and spread it around the country evenly to everybody or something like that. No. What, what would happen? <laughs> so North Korea, there are three, be- it's a caste system. They began with the communism, right? Let's make everyone equal. But now they got, ended up with 50 different classes within the same people. 50? Yeah. Wow. They divide 
three big categories and they divide the subclasses to 50 different classes. And you never can go up, you can only go down. So that's how they prevent people mixing around being married. There's no like you marry up. If you marry somebody in a different class, you go down with them, you don't go up with them. Wow. So in that case, so if the, so <coughs> one of the execution that my mom saw was this young man, he had TB. TB is a huge problem in oh, North wow. Korea, malnutrition. T- tuberculosis? Yeah. So he uh, ate the cow in the farm, and then they were executing him. For eating for eating meat? Yeah, so I never ate, ate beef in my life because uh, cows are supposedly working the farm. So, so you don't have a private property. Mm-hmm. Nobody can own anything. We cannot own cows. We cannot own cars, house, nothing we can own, right? It's a communism. So you own nothing, and you must be very happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that great exactly. reset looks better every day, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, really. Completely frees you, yeah. yeah. So liberation, you <laughs> own nothing, yeah. Oh. So this, if the cow dies, of course the officials gotta come and take it for them. And if the normal people eat it, you're gonna be executed. What do they that. do with the cow? The official type elites they divide it with themselves. Hmm. So they they take it for like the upper caste yeah. or yeah, upper caste takes wow. it, and they call even. The shocking thing is, like, these upper caste don't even call normal North Koreans are people. They call us, like, trash, rubbish. What? That's how within North Korea, different castes treating each other. Wow. Yeah. Is that because of, like, uh, like historical family things? Like, oh, you weren't part of the Revolutionary Party, and yeah. that's how you end up in a lower class? So this is, like, what like made me <laughs> very sad about America. It's, like, here all about white guilt. Like, your ancestors owned the slaves, but therefore you must be guilty and mm-hmm. you are privileged. In North Korea, the same thing, because maybe my great-great-great-grandfather was a landowner or <laughs> not fighting for the communist side, then they say your blood is tainted forever. Now, how do you choose your ancestors, right? You can never do that. How do you choose your skin color? You cannot do that. And so they punish you by being associated to that. It's called guilt by association. Right. I mean, it's yeah. we're, we're going through this yeah. and it's getting worse. Yeah. So I, I definitely want to talk about the comparison between wokeness and stuff, but we'll, we'll, we'll get there. Mm-hmm. So you, you were 13 and you were hungry. Yeah. And you saw China mm-hmm. and you decided to leave. So how long did it take? What did you do from there? <coughs> so I was initially going to go with my own sister who was 16 years old. I was 13. And then one day I got really sick. So they took me to hospital. And by North Korea, we don't have, like, electricity, x-rays, right? Doctor just literally rubs your belly. And then nurses using one needle to inject everyone. Wow. People don't die from cancer in North Korea. We die from hunger and infection, oh. mostly. And then they operated on me that day without any anesthesia. And then they said, it's appendix. But it's okay. People cut bones in North Korea without any anesthesia. It's a, it's a common thing. So <laughs> I woke up and they were like, no, you see, you got malnutrition and infection inside you. And they closed me back. And then I, I could not go, right? I might mostly die from infection. So she had to leave. So she escaped first with her friend. <laughs> and then... Mm-hmm. Was there retaliation from the government for, for your family? It was too quick. And the, another thing is that in North Korea, a lot of people die from starvation. So they say, oh, I'm going to go to work, and then father leaves home, and he doesn't come back, and he died on the road to work. So disappearance is a very common thing for the people. You know, death is, like, always near. I mean, you see the death bodies on the streets every day. It's like trash, right? So I never thought that was, like, you know, I'm normal. I thought it was... In the morning when you go to train station, there are, like, so many bodies left died. 
and then they just collect it like woods, right? They are very bodies get very rigid and just put them together, and then they don't even <laughs> like bother to bury them. Just like put on like on the one side, and you see like rats eating human flesh. You see these children chasing these rats. They're eating human eyes first. Then somehow these rats have disease, so children die. Then the rats eat us back. This cycle between rats and kids eating God. each other. Mm. Yikes. Yeah. Okay, so after the hospital, um, you're still 13 at this time. Yeah. And then, you know, what's the, what, what happened next? So I found a note that she, my sister left me and said, go find this lady. She's going to help you to go to China. So <laughs> I've, I, that was like right after I got out of the hospital. I took my stitch. I was like now walking very worse there. But I went to my mom to find her. You took your own stitches out? No, they did. Okay. And then the next day I... With my mom and to the lady, we found her, and then she said, "Oh, I can help you to go to China, but just don't tell them that you are mom and daughter. And then just tell them you're older than like 13, right? They say you're maybe 18 or 19, mm. and told them my mom you're like 35. She was in her 40s. I had no clue why they were doing that, but which was they were selling us wow. to human traffickers. Yeah. So what? So so what happens next? So I crossed this frozen. Uh, river, Yalu River, and I mean, there are guards with the machine guns standing there going to shoot you if you cross, but because the human traffickers bribed the guards, we were able to uh. go, and as soon as we arrived in China, the first thing was my mom being raped in front of me, but the thing is, I never, so there's no sex education in North Korea, right? I don't even know the word sex by then. I don't even know what kiss was. Like, love doesn't exist. Mm. We don't know the concept of love in North Korea. Now that that sounds like the most villainous thing I've ever heard. Yeah, they. I mean, we know love, but it's only love when we have love for the dear leader. Of course. In the written form, but they do not talk about romance love. So I never heard my mom says like "I love you" ever. I never knew that was a word that people used. That that's something I didn't know. I mean, because I, I I still imagined with all of the problems of North Korea, people, mm-hmm. you know, I I have this this vision of this like dystopian world where. The, the young men and women run and embrace and they're like, if the guards find us, it'll all be over. Like mm. human emotion still exists in these places. People still understand these concepts. But I suppose if the, if, if the authorities, the powers suppress knowledge from you, you can't have these concepts. So this is the thing, like in North Korea, there's no concept for compassion. We have no concept for human rights, liberty, love, you know, all these things. It's like why Georgia where talks about who controls the language, controlling the thoughts, right? Yeah. Double speak. They write a new language for you. So therefore, you don't, you're not capable of understanding this concept that we know here. So now you leave North Korea, you find yourself in China, but you've been sold to traffickers. Yeah. So now you have another problem. Yeah, <laughs> I know. And this, I mean, it, 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 it sounds like that's, uh, this is, it's, it's hard to quantify, but it mm-hmm. sounds worse. No. Hunger is the worst thing anyone, I mean, if you don't eat, you die. Yeah. Mm. So in China, I remember like, they told us they don't even bother to force us, right? Like, oh, if you don't want to be sold, you can go back to North Korea. And <laughs> which would mean death. Yeah, which means you're gonna even if you don't get caught, you're gonna die from starvation anyway. And one thing that changed my mind was for the first time in my life, I was seeing a trash can, and I did not know what it was, right? <laughs> what is the wrong thing? And like, there where you throw things? Like, what is trash? Like things that you don't need? Like, what do you mean you have things to throw away? <laughs> That's when I was like, I told my mom, I want to stay. And they sold my mom for less than $100 mm. in 21st century. 
So and you were separated from your mom then? Yeah. And they sold me for less than $300. And like, because I was a virgin. And that was something valuable in China. So that's how I got separated from everybody and became alone. So then uh, how long were you in, in the situation for? <sighs> Almost two years. Yeah. And that's when I brought my mom to me. I made a deal with a human trafficker who bought me. And I was going to kill myself. But he said, oh, if you become my mistress, I'm going to help you to get your family. So I did. And then he brought my mom back from a farmer that he sold. And he brought my sick father from North Korea. Oh, wow. So he, he then brought your father and your mother into China. Yeah. Or the mo- your, yeah. your mom was in was China, in but China. Your, your dad then came. Yeah. And... Uh, so what happens next? You know, we'll, we'll just we'll, we'll make our way to how you made to America. You know, <laughs> yeah, I know it's a long journey. Uh, but my father had uh, this uh, colon cancer he got from the prison camp, and he passed away uh, before the Beijing Olympic in two thousand eight. Mm-hmm. I remember the world was celebrating, but like North mm-hmm. Koreans, you have to be invisible. You are always scared to get caught by the authorities. So he passed away. I buried his ashes around 3 a.m. in the middle of mountain. I was 14 years old. And then <laughs> one year later, we met a mas- missionaries from South Korea. And they said, oh, if you become Christian, we are going to help you to be free. And then I was thinking, like, why do I have to keep believing in something to <laughs> be <laughs> saved? But, you know, you are so desperate. That didn't matter. Even if they told me, you got to believe in water, I'm going to believe in the rock, water, whatever it was. So I became Christian. I... I proved my faith to them, and they told us we got to walk across the Gobi Desert. And then if you're lucky enough not to die from the cold, because it was minus 40 degrees oh. in February in the middle of the desert, and then if we don't get caught by the guards, then we might survive. So I don't know the probability of making that journey, and now nobody going to Mongolia route. It's too risky, so nobody wow. does it. So then you, you went the Mongolia route. Where did mm-hmm. you end up after, after that? So after Mongolia, we were in the detention center several months. And then they bring in, a, in Mongolia? Mm-hmm. They were moving around. And then they brought us to South Korea. Then they make us go through this insane process of screening. Like they check if you're a spy or not. Are you actually mm-hmm. North Korean or not? And then they put us in a, this training three-month program <laughs> and tell us that Americans are not bastards. <laughs> 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 South Korea is not colonized by America. Like, you know, they tell us what, like, bank, tell me ATM machine. And I literally thought somebody inside the machine gave me money, right? Wow. <laughs> Never seen nice. such a thing. And in North Korea, we don't know what bank is. So just tell us how to take a subway. Like, tell us, like, we are like babies. We are adults, but babies. Never seen anything like this. When you uh, first got out of North Korea, were mm-hmm. you surprised by the kind of foods that they had in China? Yeah, it well, was shocking. Like, yeah, describe your experience. What was like the first thing you had or what was the most shocking thing about it? But the thing is, you think when you are starving like that and go out, you think you're going to eat a lot. But your stomach is not used yeah. to this oily, fatty food. So I remember I was <laughs> throwing up constantly. Oh. And I get, because i never seen this many cars and buildings in my life. North Korea, 90, 70% was are not paved. And only of them are in Pyongyang, too. So never seen a traffic. i never seen a, like, crosswalk, right? So, uh, I mean, but the thing is also, I lost everything by the time when I was in China. Like, I was a slave. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't, I could enjoy anything there. I was, every right. day was a survivor. I remember, like, every day I felt like I lived a thousand years today. 
Oh. Every day I goes by, and before I go to sleep, I put on my shoes on. Always have to look for the exit. When the police comes, where do I run? Where do I jump? So ready to run every single day. Like you live like that. So now you've made it to South Korea. Mm-hmm. They put you through the screening. They want to make sure you're not a spy. But was there a point where they finally opened the doors and said, "Freedom is yours"? Yeah. What was that like? Scary. <gasps> it was so painful. So painful. scary. Yeah. I mean, like they remember. I remember they say like, for the first time, like so introduce yourself. And in North Korea, we don't say I. Like we don't allow to say I. We say like we like water, even though when I said because that's how like the meme. It's not a meme. It's no, actually no. There, there's 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 a joke where we make fun of <coughs> communists by replacing the letter I with we. Oh our. yeah, they totally do that. Wow. Really? Yeah. Wow. And then like nobody asks you what do you think in North Korea, right? So they tell you your favorite color is red because of revolutionary color. Mm. Your favorite country is North Korea because your favorite food <laughs> is this, right? So now in South Korea they say, oh, if you don't know, just tell us your favorite color. It's like, what the heck yeah. is that? <laughs> do I suppose know what's my favorite color? So thinking for yourself was something not trained. It was hurting my brain. It was so painful. I literally saying, being free is not easy. Like if I was guaranteed that I'm going to have frozen like enough potato, if I go back to North Korea, I would go back. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Really? It was hard. So like if, if, if you, if you could have survived, you would have chosen to go back? Yeah. Like the, food? for sure in the beginning. Yeah. If several years time, I would have gone back. It was very painful to be free. But you, 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 you learned, you figured it out, you adapted. Yeah. I, yeah, adapted. I, I learned like what freedom was. You know, it, for me to learn freedom was like responsibility. And once I made that connection, it became like under, more manageable, right? But it's scary. Like in North Korea, when you're born, your life is determined for you before you're born mm-hmm. based on your class, your parents, everything. So what do you mean you choose your own major, right? Like they say, what school do you want to go to? I don't know. So what major do you want to do? What do you want to do with your life? I'm like, do I have to know? Right. <laughs> Can just somebody tell me what to do? I'm very good at like being followed. It seems like we're seeing uh, this transformation in the United States where young people want exactly that. They want to be told what to do. They want the government to do it for them or Mm -hmm. they've gone – a lot of young people, especially the millennial generation, so not so so young anymore. In in like my life, I was always told you have to go to school, you have to go to college, you have to do these things. Mm -hmm. And everyone kept trying to tell me what I was supposed to do. And for me, I was, no, I'm not going to do it. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people I know went to college and just did what they were told. When they get out of college, they ask, now tell me what to do. Yeah. So they're not used to being out there in the wilderness on their own. Mm-hmm. And, of course, this is very, very, very different from, say, North Korea. Yeah. But it's part of this, this, this shift, I suppose, yeah. where we used to be – I mean, Americans are fairly obstinate. You know, <laughs> Don't tell me what to do. I'll do what I want. But we're starting to see that shift now. Mm-hmm. So we're really close to getting into modern politics. But so uh, I'll just ask you this. So how did you end up, you know, so you're, you're, you're adapting to South Korea. Mm-hmm. At what point did you decide, now I'm going to make an even bigger journey and choose for myself to go to America? Oh, uh, so I invited to a conference that was uh, in Ireland, you know, Dublin. And, and it was a free conference. So they wanted to, it's like a youth leaders, like a leadership conference. Every country participates. Cool. So they asked North Korea. They called up North Korea embassy in london would you send a delegation from north korea and then they said we only can send three because you have to spy on each other so right. two is a lot easier to run but three like you're watching her i'm watching her, we are watching wow. everybody right mm-hmm. so it's like we only can send three and they're like okay how about we sponsor two you sponsor one and they said no 
So they were like, okay, we're going to bring these defectors then. Because <laughs> <laughs> cheaper for them. <laughs> Very great. practical. So they invite me for free. And then I decided to be a speaker. I, I applied to be a speaker. It was very hard to become a speaker. And the speech that I gave became very, very viral. And I was in the university in South Korea. So that led me to write a book. And Penguin Random House was in New York. So they brought me to write a book in New York. And then I wanted to continue my education. And I, they told me there was a school at Col- Columbia was in New York. So, so here you are? Yeah. That's how I'm here. So the interesting thing, I suppose, now is that uh, you come here, you go to college. The the current culture war in the United States is uh, there's a very negative depiction of colleges that they're mm-hmm. embracing critical theory, Marxist mm-hmm. ideology, and wokeness sounds like there's there's similar aspects to what you experienced with uh, um, the ideology being you know told what you can and can't like and things like that. Not identical, obviously, but well, before the show, you said that the woke was crazier. Yeah. I think that's what I said, like, with the Fox News, like, North Korea is not even this nuts. Huh. <laughs> this is, uh, I mean, where do I even begin? But, <laughs> I mean, it just, entire four years, I was, uh, je- I mean, so in North Korea, by the time I was born, the revolution happened such a long time ago. People are not passionate believers of communism, right? Collectivism. Mm-hmm. They just, so much fear. If you don't, you get executed. So you have to do it. And, like, one thing, first thing my mom told me as a younger was, don't even whisper because the birds and mice could hear you. And she was like, your tongue is the most dangerous weapon that you have. The things you say is not going to just only kill you. It's going to kill three generations of our family altogether. So be careful what you say, right? When I go to school in the morning, she would not say, oh, be careful with the strangers. Be careful with your mouth. Mm. That's I like, I'm worried that we're headed in that direction. Exactly. You know, with uh, with censorship, with big tech, with people scared to speak out. There are a lot of people that say, you know, I, I was tweeting about anonymity. I wasn't really tweeting about anonymity, but I was tweeting about people who don't use their names on social media. Mm-hmm. And people said, I'm scared that I'll lose my job. Yeah. I can't risk my job and my life from speaking out. Mm-hmm. And if people don't speak out, we, we slowly slip into the nightmare version of whatever that is where... North the thing, Korea. yeah, the things you're describing. Yeah, this and is how we go there. This is how it begins. Wow. Yeah, that's what I like at Colombia. Oh, this is how the revolution began, right? Because, I mean, at Colombia, this genuinely, these kids feel like they are so oppressed. They get triggered. They actually cry, right, by the injustice they fear. How they are so oppressed and they are the victims, and they are not faking it. They really, really, truly believe it. And the thing is, what makes me so sad is that North Koreans have to be brainwashed because we don't have any information. Here, on the tip of your finger, you have entire history. What Stalin did, what Mao did. You have know what this rod has taken us to humanity. But these people are so completely brainwashed. They think white men are the source of every single evil that we have. I suppose I think it's uh, scarier to me that you can warn us and say, hey, this is how the revolution started in North Korea. Hey, this is what it's like when you have this communist totalitarian system. And no matter how many times we scream it, there are a lot of people in this country that reject the idea that your warnings matter and they actively pursue these situations, I suppose they think they'll be like the higher caste, maybe, those who live in Pyongyang, mm. 
They have paved roads. Yeah. They have electricity. Yeah. But they'll probably just end up being the farmers in the outskirts who are executed for speaking out improperly. Oh, yeah. They get so much purges in Pyongyang. So I think... Wow. But the thing is, like, North Korea designed starvation, right? It's like a Hunger Games. There are 13 districts and there's a capital. Right. On purpose, Kim Jong-un starves us. Like, the other week, Kim Jong-un admitted that 11 million North Koreans are severely malnourished. He never did that before, but now he doesn't bother hiding it. Like, yeah, we have, like, almost 60 people, so 60% of the population are severely malnourished. Why is he doing that? Because one missile test that he does, he can feed 25 million North Koreans for an entire year. From 2017, he did 40 tests. Why? So if we just cut down a few tests, nobody have to die in North Korea. Why? I, I don't. So this is what I can't understand. And maybe, maybe you'll you'll have uh, some insight, having obviously been from the country. Mm. Wouldn't it be better for the the party for Kim Jong Un for his his close circle? Wouldn't they be wealthier mm. if if North Korea was successful and prosperous? with a well-fed population, with new technologies and electricity, wouldn't he live better and safer? No, but then he cannot be a god, mm. right? Right now, you think about it. When you are full, then you are starting to think about meaning of life. You can think about philosophy, music, art, right? But when North Koreans, every day, they don't care what's going on. Am I going to be able to find the next meal or not? Am I going to make it tonight or not? That's all they care. So people, entire population is dedicated to surviving. So now Kim Jong has no internal challenges. It's not like other countries. There's internal any rigid, rigid. There's no one single dissident in North Korea. Have you ever heard that? There's house arrest. No. What's his What's his goal? What does he want? Wasn't he, he educated in the West? In Switzerland. Yeah. It's a psychopath. He knows how humans should be treated. That's the thing. Like it's so. He's a psychopath. He knows how people should supposed to be treated, but he doesn't. Right. He goes there. He's a he thinks he's a god. I think so. Because a lot of people who met him when they're younger, they call him like a little general, right? Yeah. Like, so everybody's uh, like below him. So I do think he's just completely himself brainwashed that he's a god. So do you think the U.S. is, uh, I mean, the U.S. is massive. We've, uh, how, how, many, how many people, uh, do, do we know the population of North Korea? In America? Or the, the population of North Korea. Do we, do, okay, is there 25 million. 25 million. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the U.S. Is, has about 10 times the population. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it seems far far fetched, I suppose, or or maybe people just believe it can't happen here. But do you think that what you're seeing in the U.S. will bring us to a a, a situation like North Korea? I mean, right, right now, living in Chicago, yeah. I mean, this Chicago is a war zone. You cannot even walk out in, during the middle of the day in the downtown where there's a police cars right there. People commit crime, and this as I mean, you said, system is broke. Like, literally during the lootings, right? Police standing there, and this guy's destroying Nike store in the Magnificent Mile. And why, why don't you arrest them? And then my friend said, like, why don't you arrest them? And then he's like, I know who to arrest. And this guy started shooting at him. Whoa. Police is right there, and he had to run for his life. He had a video. <laughs> he's, I'm not joking. Like, oh, my gosh. He was started shooting at him, and police just standing there, nothing. Are you familiar with the red salute? No. So have you seen the Black Lives Matter fist they show in the in the? In yeah. The, is mm-hmm. is that is that, a, is, that, is that does that symbol appear in North Korea? I mean, like doing this thing. Yeah. Like oh yeah, totally. That's every time. Like let's kill our American bastards, our enemies. Oh, you that's raise a, the fist. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. So that's this the the, the the it's mm-hmm. the it's the red salute. It's the communist fist. Oh, yeah. um, 
you guys might know this. I was reading that when someone is joining the Chinese Communist Party, they they perform the red salute. They yeah. call it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you have to like raise your fist and pledge your life to the party, essentially. As mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, this this uh, well, July first is the hundred year anniversary of the Communist Party in China, <laughs> and there's this phenomenon of red tourism where people are going around dressing up like old red guards and they're doing the salute That's and they they go making yeah pledges you, you go take a you know Instagram photo of you doing the red salute and pledging your life to the party, you know. In it's like That's yeah. Disneyland. That's version the flag of, of Black Lives Matter. Mm. It's the it's the symbol mm. Twitter used for Juneteenth. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And they say it's the Black Power Fest. And I'm like, yeah, I guess the Roman salute, which the Nazis <laughs> used as the white power fist, like, or salute, whatever. It doesn't matter to me. I mean, these are, these are, these are salutes to the ideology mm. and it's oppressive. And, uh, I, I, I don't want to be alarmist yeah. by saying, oh, it's clearly happening here. But you look at the embassies flying these flags, the U.S. embassies now using these, the, 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 the symbolism. You see people marching through the street in defiance of edict from governors when they did the lockdowns. And they're performing the red salute. Mm-hmm. They give it a different name, but it's the same symbol, the same flag. The people who uh, are organizing Black Lives Matter say they are trained Marxists, or at least some of them do. And critical race theory, which is the, the big battle in the culture war right now, mm-hmm. is uh, literally rooted in critical theory uh, from the traditional Marxist school of thought. And they try and deny it. Mm-hmm. But every day, I, I, I feel I, I do feel optimistic, especially today. With, you know, seeing these, these families, mm-hmm. Loudoun County, they're standing up, they're challenging this stuff. Mm-hmm. But I, f- I feel like, you know, these people, these, these families are worried about what their kids are being taught, are putting themselves on the line. I'm, I'm worried that if too many people are scared and they remain scared, we inch closer towards a reality where you can no longer speak out anymore. I mean, we have the poem. We know what happens when you don't speak out in defense of others. Mm-hmm. So it feels like we're, we're heading in that direction. I think there yeah. was a viral video of some woman. It was like a Chinese woman who was talking about. I don't know if this was Loudon or someone else, Loudon. but yeah, she was a like a Chinese parent, and she was saying this is just like the Cultural Revolution, mm. which I went through in China. And a lot of people kind of were offended by that because there, you know, possibly twenty million people died during the Cultural Revolution. So mm. some people are like, oh, well, that's you're being too crazy if you're comparing this to the Ridiculous. Cultural Revolution. Mm-hmm. But it, you know, <clears throat> if we. The, the hallmark of the Cultural Revolution was the struggle session, right? Which is struggle under Chinese communism is a verb where you struggle someone, you bring them into a room, everybody in their workplace or everybody in your neighborhood. Like if it was a very prominent person, they would fill stadiums to denounce these people. Like mm-hmm. the person would stand there, they'd be made to hold some kind of like torture posed so that they're like the airplane or something where they're like uncomfortable they'd have like a placard put on them that says what their crimes are, mm-hmm. right? And then people would scream at them, yell at them, humiliate them, shame them, throw things at them. This is a struggle session. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, if you think of that as what the Cultural Revolution was doing to people, you know, we don't struggle people in the U.S. We cancel people in the U.S. <laughs> yeah. And we can cancel them online. We don't have, we can ruin people's lives mm-hmm. on Twitter. We don't have to bring them into a room to yell at them, we can just make them lose their jobs. How, how is it that, that, you know, China and North Korea are so different, I suppose, right? They, they went through a cultural revolution. They had purges. They have a communist party with the red salutes and all that stuff. But China still has massive cities and wealth and technology and food. Probably a lot of that is just the ability of China to accept investment from the West. Mm. China now, really changed after Mao died. 
uh, Mao because, you know, his political purges basically, like, killed almost 80 million people, probably. So between the Great Leap Forward, the famine, the, you know, Cultural Revolution, like, he he was just killing so many people. And then the next generation of Chinese leaders were basically like, okay, we're communist, but this is not sustainable. So they kind of, and a lot of them were people who were purged by Mao, like Deng Xiaoping. So they were like, we're going to uh, open our markets. They call it reform and opening up. And it wasn't really, the state was still involved. Like, the state still owned the means of production, but they were kind of like, we'll give people the ability to at least make money on a small scale. You can have businesses. You don't have to work for the state. Uh, Western investment can come in. And bring you know, the money. I, I yeah. remember reading a story about like after Mao died, like the first people who were like made a contract, and like for them it was like, oh, th- th- we might die <laughs> for this. Like we might be killed for this. It was like the first wow. test of like will this reform and opening up actually happen? So, yeah. so what year was that around? Nineteen seventy-eight. So that's when they finally started, I guess, modernizing and, and getting more technology and things yeah. started to improve. And then because China is such a massive market, there's so many people there to work, right? Manufacturing companies wanted to come in. Companies, Germany came in in the 70s to start, like, building their... their Volkswagen was yeah. there very early on. Yeah, so, like, building their auto plants there already. Uh, and also people see it as a big market where people can buy things now. So I think that's the real difference. But, like... Structurally, it's not that different from North Korea. Mm. Uh, you know, North Korean people. Ideologically and structurally. People like to pretend that China's not communist anymore because they have, uh, you know, a certain thing, like they have a stock market. But you, you can't own property in China still. Wow. Like the really? state owns all the land still. You can buy a lease on oh. the land for 70 years. Interesting. And that's what you're buying when you buy real estate. Or you can buy an apartment in an apartment building but you cannot actually own land. All the land is still owned by the state. And there you, is no real private companies. It's, it's maybe state-owned enterprises. Otherwise, it's owned by a son or daughter of a party official mm. or every company, every school. Everything in China basically has a Communist Party cell inside of it, and there's a party secretary there watching everything. So the party's involved. There is no free enterprise in China. Mm. Isn't it uh, every single company has to have uh, a party member? Yeah. Specifically whose job is to be a party member for the company or something yeah, like that? Yeah, the party secretary, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're, 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 that's happening here in the U.S. with the uh, diversity, inclusivity, and equity officers mm-hmm. in, in all these companies. I mean, it's a, it's a job that performs no, fu- no function other than to be ideologically pure. Well, that's the, that's the strange thing about all this. Like, I've, I've seen some reactions to, like, your, like, mm-hmm. you and me talking about mm-hmm. woke in America, and then and people get really upset about that. They know oh, that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Or as Shelley mentioned, the Chinese woman who's like, "Hey, this is reminding me of the Cultural Revolution." Mm-hmm. And if you only focus on like the differences, like obviously the United States is not North Korea, yeah. but somehow those societies became the way they were. Mm-hmm. There is an evolution that happens, and I think the problem is people don't realize or understand what Marxism is. They don't understand what communism is. Like, what is the problem of trying to create an equal society? What's the problem of trying to teach people about slavery? Mm-hmm. That's not bad. So why are you saying that this is like the cultural revolution? Every, I think every example of the, the path to the utopia turned out to be a path to hell. Yeah. By design. 
Yeah. Right. Well, I, you know what I think happens to, I, I think there's a, I know a lot of these activists on the left and they're very u- u- utopian. They're mm-hmm. very optimistic, idealistic. Mm-hmm. And they're like, we can create this beautiful utopia so long as we all just agree on how things work. Well, it starts with 10 people, them and their friends. And they all say, hey, I work today and I'm going to share with you my bounty. And they say, thank you very much. I did the dishes for you. And then it goes up to 20 people. But then one person says, I'm not going to share with you my, you know, my pizza. I, I, I made this pizza myself. It's only enough for me. I'm starving. I'm hungry. And they say, okay, this person's got to go. Because mm-hmm. no matter what we say, they won't agree with us. Mm-hmm. When it scales up to a certain point and you have, you, you're, you're now locked to borders of a country. Yeah. And you can't just say, we're going to leave and do our own thing. Well, then what happens is they say, you know, we have this really great utopia, except for those people. Mm-hmm. Well, what do we do with them? guess you got to get rid of them. And what ends up happening every single time, they get rid of them. And there are people who will argue with that, but that basically is what it says in the Communist Manifesto, Mm -hmm. that to create this equal utopian society, you have to overthrow all pre-existing social conditions, uh, like the family, like religion. Well, what happens if somebody doesn't want to give up their religion? What if somebody likes their family? Mm -hmm. What if they like private property? This is why I wonder about, you know, North Korea. You know, you're, you're saying that you don't have these concepts. Mm-hmm. You don't understand love and, and things like that. The color thing was amazing. Like, it, that, that's something that kindergartners yeah. have. They, you learn your colors. What's your favorite color? Yeah, which one <laughs> just do you? And I remember being a little kid, and they have a bunch of colors. And they're like, which one is your favorite? And I'm like, I, d- I don't know. <laughs> I said green. You know why? Because my birthday's in March, Aww. and the calendar for March was always green. That's funny. So I just said green. Like, they just left it upon me as a child who had no real understanding of what it meant to have a favorite color to just say it. Yeah. And I was like, green. Clearly green is not my favorite color today. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, you, you br- a good point about that is, like, a lot of the problem people have with, like, this critical race theory stuff that's going around, especially when it's being taught through, like, K through 12. Mm. Like, whatever it is as a university subject, you're a college student, you're a fully foreign person. But, like... If you're talking in kindergarten, mm. you don't even have a real sense of your own self-identity, and yet you're already being put into these classes. See, what's interesting, technically, they aren't teaching critical race theory because they're arguing, oh, we don't bring up the literature of race and policy. Yeah. What they're doing is they're teaching the, the, the core thesis of critical race theory within other subjects. Yep. So imagine, here's, here's why I described it. Imagine if a bunch of parents decided that the new math curriculum would be something like, here's a math problem a child encounters. Jeremiah has 10 Bibles. In order to worship the Lord properly, he must distribute seven of them to his neighbors. If he doesn't, he will burn in hell. How many Bibles does he have after he distributes the ones the Lord requires? Like, if that was an actual math problem in schools, parents would be like, yo, like, what? <laughs> no, no, what? They're not teaching the Bible. They're not teaching Christianity. No, what are you talking about? No, we've never mentioned scripture. Nobody's reading from the right. Bible. You're crazy. And then you look at the math, pro- you look at the math problem. You're like, this is just this whole thing. So they're finding subversive ways to indoctrinate kids, but it's also incorporated in their policies. And the scary thing is it's become inherent now. Mm-hmm where you have these schools that don't even recognize they exist in this alternate reality. They just, it's normal to them. That's, that's where, that's where it starts. Mm-hmm. Like you mentioned, these countries all ended up these ways. 
That's what I find truly interesting. Uh, so uh, obviously a lot of people know that I'm part Korean. <laughs> and because, uh, you know, Tim Pool is mixed race. It's like a meme. I make I say it all the time because we're talking about, you know, race policy and identitarianism. But uh, uh, actually, my great-grandfather is from a city in the north. At the time, there was no north. So mm-hmm. for my family, leaving Korea, coming to the United States and all that stuff, these, these these concepts of a north and a south and this conflict didn't exist at the time. Something happened where all of a sudden the city where my great-grandfather is is – worlds apart from the city where my great-grandmother was from. And I think my great-grandmother was from Seoul, and my great-grandfather was from Haiju. Haiju? Mm, yes. Yeah. Now, I mean, at the time, they were probably identical in many ways, like mm. same culture, same language, same history. Now they're just absolutely different. Oh, yeah. I'd imagine the people in the North, like you mentioned, they think they have this God, they have this new religion. The history has changed. Yeah. Something happened to make it that way. And now that that impacts, you know, even me and, and, and other people whose history sort of stops mm-hmm. at these these conflicts, the historical revisionism that's happening in the United States is what, what scares me. And that's why I kind of, you know, related to these circumstances. Mm-hmm. I mean, North Korea also had like a speed run at this in a certain way because it was the Soviet Union mm-hmm. after World War II that got North Korea, right? Like the treaty was we split it along the 38th parallel that the... The Western democracies, they get South Korea. Russia, the Soviet Union, gets North Korea. So you guys kind of had, like, like a crash course mm-hmm. in this, in a certain sense, where, like, you know, now suddenly Kim Jong, uh, well, Kim Il-sung is put in, and he's, like, taking Soviet stuff and then using it to build his own identity cult and all this stuff. So it's kind of, it's kind of crazy to look at North Korea, too, because this is, like, this is, like, the, you know, like, the super-powered version of what mm-hmm. happens. I mean, the thing is, like, what shocks me about North Korea, they began, like, communism, right? Promising, oh, I'm going to give you free health care, free education, free housing, free everything. I mean, nothing is free, but they say everything is free. So they did that in the beginning from the Soviets. They got subsidies. So they were giving rations to the people for free. And in the 90s, they stopped the Soviet Union collapsed. What do they do? They changed their ideology to self-reliance. So now, they don't care about you. You take care of yourself. By the way, you have no freedom to trade, do nothing. So how do you survive? So that's why like 30 million people died in the 90s in the northern parts. If you secretly grew a f- tomato plant or something in your base and like you hid it in your house, would they would they execute you if they found it? No, I mean if you hide it really well. Yeah, like let's let's say you're you're starving. Yeah. So you secretly grow some plants. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. You're you're allowed to grow your own food or no, we cannot own the land. It's collectivism. We right. work collectively in the farm, and then the government takes 80%, and 20% is divided between the government officials, and then they just, some no members don't give you anything. It's like the stupidest thing I've ever heard, to be honest. <laughs> like, it, it's an inefficient way to run a it system is. to even benefit themselves. But I, I think this is why China was like, hey, let's take investment. We want to be rich and successful. Now there's, no, there's more Chinese millionaires than there are American millionaires. They've made themselves wealthy and powerful. Mm-hmm. Why does it North Korea do it? I think just Kim Jong is too scared. He's yeah. very scared, and all he needs is nukes, right? So he's he doesn't want to change anything. He's comfortable. I mean, he's been he's been so good at this. Why would he change anything, right? They've been so successful at this for almost eighty years. They've been doing this. And I think um, even Kim Jong Un is a victim of the same brainwashing at this point. 
certainly he's in charge and he understands it more and, and knows more than regular people. He was educated in the West, mm-hmm. but he was also very much indoctrinated. Yeah. You have to run this country, you have to be in charge. Right. And so his worldview is, is now a product of their own manipulation. Yeah. It's kind of crazy because I'm sure uh, Kim Il-sung, had a, he, he had an understanding of global affairs and world politics. He probably understood, you know. He, he was Marxist. He was Leninist. For sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure he, but, but he knew about Russia. He knew about oh, the yeah. world. Yeah. And then he to- told everyone he was God. Yeah. And then you know, his son was in the 70s trying to be nice to his father because he had a lot of concubines and sons, right? So there's a competition that came... The Game of Thrones. Remember, <laughs> King Don't Kill is a half-brother in Malaysia. Yeah. Literally, they are killing each other to get there. So he was saying in the 70s, oh, I want to get this throne from my father, so now I'm going to make him God. So he did all propaganda, making him, Kim can move the mountains, knows what you think, like wow. everything began there. So so what are the circumstances keeping North Korea as it is? Certainly there's external pressure for them to change their ways, open up, free their people. But I, I, my understanding is like China is very defensive. China likes North Korea as sort of like this problem that the rest of the world needs to come to China to uh, work on. Uh, they're a, a crazy guy with nukes, and only we can negotiate. Yeah, yeah. like if you have to talk to us, and it actually ties a lot into um, sort of China's internal political struggles as well, because certain factions within China were the ones working with the Kim family. Mm-hmm. Other factions did not. Uh, so yeah, it's 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 leverage, leverage for them. Yeah, yeah, it's leverage, and it definitely makes China look better. Mm. Right? It, it really yeah. does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, like hearing a story where you say that 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 you felt being a slave in China was better because at least you had food. But the thing is, what shocks me is in America, like these people talking about slavery that happened hundreds of years ago. Right. This is happening right now when you're sitting down. Do you know during the COVID time, if you go to Baidu, the Chinese Google, you get North Korean girls for $900. You order them in. And this is happening. And nobody in mainstream, like Michelle Obama has no problem standing up for girls that are captured by ISIS or Boko Haram. Where is any public figure in the mainstream standing up for these girls? Right now, there are 300,000 North Korean refugees in China hiding. And most of them are women. And most of them are trafficked. So we have actual modern-day slaves existing. China has a huge human trafficking problem. Yeah. Because the one-child policy screwed up the population. 30 30 million million more men. men cannot find wives. So where do these women being bought by these 30 million men who cannot afford wives in China? Wow. Are there organizations that buy the women to then free them and and get them to other countries? We, We do that. I work with a lot of nonprofits. We do rescue work. But it's became so hard during the COVID. Oh, yeah. So, but the thing is, it's, you know, now in America right now, there is only over 200 North Koreans made it to America for during the last 75 years. Yikes. Yeah. Well, for, for, for you to come from South Korea to the United States, was it difficult? I came as a South Korean. As, so, oh, so you walked right in. Yeah, but then I had to get a visa. I mean, I came legally. Yeah. <laughs> oh, all right. Like, yeah. as, a, as a South uh, Korean, mm. you can just fly here and, on, on, like without notice and get visa on entry, right? You get the electronic visa, but it's hard to get a working permit. Right, you can right. come as a tourist, but it's very hard to come as immigrate immigrant yeah. from South Korea. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, it's actually fairly difficult, uh, I think, for anybody to, mm. to, 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 to get a work visa in the United States. Yeah. I say ve- relatively difficult, but I'm sure there's a lot of countries with a lot harder, especially with, like, Middle Eastern refugees into Europe. I've seen a lot of those stories. Mm. Yeah, so. Japan is pretty closed off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I've, I've heard people say that Japan is an ethno state, and I've heard other people say it's not. But I'm curious, you know, what you guys think about that. I, I'm not an expert on Japan. Mm-mm. Outside of anime. <laughs> <laughs> well, so. I guess the difficult thing is I'd like to try and predict the future. You know, mm. I'd like to know, can we, can we take, we, we've, we've made some of these statements like, oh, we can see what happened in North Korea. We can see how people behave, how they're scared to speak. And then we, 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 we've said somehow North Korea became this way, but is it really like the U.S. could track in a similar direction? Or is it, is it just fat, fanciful thinking that the U.S. would ever become like this? You know, are, is the U.S. going to break out of this and just become sane again and defeat the the cultural marxist ideology i'm fairly optimistic to be completely honest mm-hmm. i mean I, I i see these parents waking up i see a lot of uh, a lot of reason to be optimistic in terms of what's happening politically with people being snapped to attention because of what's happening and i have to imagine that there's elements within the u.s government they know everything we're saying and they're worried about these things too or is the ideological split so severe that these you know cultural marxists and critical race theorists control too much well, I think with everything happening in schools, that's that was definitely overreach. Like once you start targeting people's yeah. kids, mm-hmm. that's when people really freak out. That brings it to home. So I think this is like all the debate about critical race theory. I think it's really a, a good window of opportunity to educate people about what Marxist ideology is, how it functions, how it takes an issue and inverts it and then flips it into something else like for example race Mm. uh you know decades ago we as a country made a decision that you know judging people by the color of their skin is wrong that's Mm. racist and now it's it's flipped so it's like oh no no you should develop racial consciousness i think is the term they use you need to be able to look at people by race so you can properly sort them out based on their privilege and their oppressor status that's creepy it is it's kind of the opposite of Taoism, actually. <laughs> yeah. I'm curious about war. Um, we, we recently saw China send the most warships they've ever, war, warplanes, into the Taiwanese defense zone. And so there's this, obviously, one thing we mention often is Thucydides' trap. There's a very real fear that war will be happening soon. I'm wondering, before we start talking about China, though, the, the stuff that you see with North Korea with the firing of the nuclear missiles, mm-hmm. do you feel there's anything to that, or is it just... Kim Jong-un says, look at me, I'm a nuisance. Give me free stuff. And there's not actually going to be any real conflict out of the nuclear weapons in North Korea. I think Kim Jong-un is very rational enough not to start a war with any country. He knows when he does that, he's going to be done, right? America cannot get him. So I don't think that can ever happen. But it, it just I think Kim Jong-un's uh, goal is waiting for the West to be weakened, right? For the West to be destabilized right now, there's so much internal problem. America is so busy with themselves right now, not able to solve any problems like globally. Yeah. So it's a good thing for Kim Jong Un, right? He wants to weak America, and internally he just keep building capability with new missiles. So someday his dream might get get that he might bomb America entirely. And I mean, his his bombs can reach Hawaii, DC, and Manila. Yeah. But you know, bombing few cities not gonna he's not gonna win the war, right? He can attack, damage the USA, but not gonna win. But when America is so busy, he just keep doing this his thing. 
if if you were to try and fire a nuke or something, would would China China would stop them, right? Uh, China would be probably forced in a position where it would have to at least offer some kind of lip service about, like, that's bad. Yeah. Because they don't want the rest of the world to turn against mm-hmm. China. Right. Because, like, if, if, you, if you are a country backing North Korea nuking some <laughs> other country, that's, that's bad PR. Yeah. Um, practically speaking, what they would do, I, China is worried about North Korea becoming a little too hot to handle. Too yeah. unwilling to listen yeah. to Beijing leadership. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I recall, Kim Jong Un didn't even meet with Xi Jinping for many years until until the Trump yeah Trump was about to meet with him, and then yeah. suddenly, like the two sides. But <laughs> it wasn't Kim Jong Un didn't want it. Xi Jinping didn't invite him. Do you know that Dang Songtek, the uncle, oh. mm-hmm. he was a Chinese guy. He was funded by China a lot. The uncle who got executed, right? Oh yeah. So when Kim Jong Un killed his uncle, China got so upset. Because they just did it independently. Mm. So Xi Jinping didn't invite him, didn't like accept him as a legitimate North Korean leader. But when he wants to meet Trump, because China had like jumped before. Yeah. Didn't, wasn't the brother that Kim Jong-un poisoned also like hiding in China? He was yeah. kind of being supported yeah. well, by China, China too. China has been trying to push like their own interest in North Korea by pushing people who would make the kind of market reforms yeah. they want. And supposedly Kim Jong-nam, I Kim think. Kim Jong-nam was, was open. Like he was open to that idea. And Zhang Songtek, too. So yeah. China always recommended North Korea to take our path. Mm. Your Communist Party going to last forever. And it's like open up a little so people don't die from starvation, right? Like, mm. what's the point of all this? And North Korea, like, no, 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 we're fine. So Kim Jong-un get rid of any reformers in the internal really? So, so, so mm-hmm. China wants North Korea to, to, to do better and adopt some more of their kind of policies? Exactly. They won, they, they toured Kim Jong-il, the second Kim when he was alive, showed him around. Look at us, what we have done. Like, look at Shanghai, Beijing, like, two weeks tour, showing him, like, take the reform, like, path. And then Kim Jong-il goes back, nope, nope, we're going to bring it down, right? This, this might be a dark question, but why hasn't anybody just removed that lineage and just gotten rid of that family? I mean, certainly there are people, you mentioned they're hiding out in China. Even China's got interest in this. Does no one want to? I mean, look, people have tried to r- remove Castro, Saddam Hussein. The issue is China does not want a wave of North Korean refugees flooding yeah. into China. Interesting. They don't want to be responsible for North Korea because it's so terrible right now. Like, you have to rebuild the society from and they, scratch, right? And they can't let the U.S. take it. Yeah. Because if they don't, the U.S. Wa- walks right in. And, and they don't want the U.S. on their border. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's their buffer. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So complicated and so horrifying because there are people here who need food and resources and just more importantly, opportunity. I mean, it sounds like if you got rid of the authoritarianism, these people would just thrive. Yeah. Do you know, like, North Koreans as a nation, one of the highest IQs in the world. Mm-hmm. So no wonder why they build these nukes. And you, North Korea's only country can bully Biden, right? Biden's been trying to reach out to Kim Jong-un. Anytime, <laughs> anywhere, without putting any concessions, I want to meet you and talk to you. Kim Jong Un not return his call since wow. February. Yeah. But but Trump, yeah, Trump was a tough guy. Kim Jong Un knew that he could not bully Trump. Mm-hmm. So whatever he was sending the love letters to Trump, <laughs> right, <laughs> pleasing, and Biden like Kim Jong Un knows like I can bully you whatever way I want to. Well, I, I love it when Kim Jong Un called uh, uh, Trump a dotard. You know, your you daughter, a dotard. Oh, daughter. daughter. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, like search the word. What does that yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Old <laughs> fumbling. Certainly that, that works for Joe Biden. Yeah. 
But then Trump was like, I would never call him short and fat. <laughs> wow, that was our president. So, but, but how do you feel about, you know, uh, I, I'll tell you this. There were a lot of people who are in this country don't like Trump. And like clockwork, they were all extremely critical of Trump for meeting with Kim Jong-un and cross and, and, and just meeting him with him in general. Mm-hmm. I looked at that when Trump crossed the DMZ into mm-hmm. North Korea with no security. Mm-hmm. I thought that was tremendous. Yeah. But what, what's, what's your thought? Back then, I was more like seeing it black and white. Like, you don't just sit down with the modern-day Hitler mm-hmm. and then treating him like a modern, like, actual leader of the country. Like, North Korean people didn't choose Kim Jong-un to represent us. He was a dictator, right? So the fact that Trump was going there without actually any concessions from, like, Kim Jong-un was o- already lost. He didn't get anything back. Instead, Kim Jong-un did a huge promotion at home, showing, like, look at me. Now even the America is backing me. So yeah. if there's any internal coup that that would happen, they don't want to go after a guy that the U.S. is accepting as a legitimate leader. So internally it was so bad. However, now, like, in a way, Biden is worse, right? Like, I mean, Trump at least brought a highlight to the issue and tried to solve something about it. Like, Biden recently, they reviewed their policy towards North Korea, which is going to be exactly what uh, Obama did. Strategic patience, which is... Uh, Statistically, you do nothing, just waiting, and Kim Jong-un move the, take the first positive move. So they, if <laughs> they ignore North Korea like this, for five years, I mean, eight years later, we don't know what North Korea end up with the nuclear, like, capability. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I certainly see what you're saying with Trump. I was, uh, I was hopeful that, you know, Trump without security mm. crossed into North Korea and mm. they could have just snatched him up. Like they, he had, he had not, you know, obviously they, they wouldn't because there's, you can't take the American president, but it felt like at least this was some normalization, some. Yeah. But, but I certainly see what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I was hoping that it was a first step towards trust mm-hmm. and maybe some kind of normalized trade, maybe some kind of encouragement towards, you know, look, there's opportunity if you, if you change some of the, your ways. But, you know, based on what, what you've all been saying about how China wants the reform and they don't, mm-hmm. it really does feel like the, this, the, the, the Kim Il family is a bunch of despotic, What's the what's the megalomaniacs who think they're God? Yeah, they're so paranoid. And also the thing is, I mean, if we are negotiating with North Korea for the first time, it makes sense to honor them, make them feel comfortable and trusted. This guy has been playing the same playbook for like last 70-something years. They know what they know, or yeah. what they want to. So in a way, it just doesn't work anymore. Like talking to North Korea and then just try to make them warm and come out, it's not going to work. It's going to take way more than to change North Korea. When you, when you lived there, did you ever encounter South Korean propaganda? In North Korea? Yeah. I mean, every single day. Like, I did not know South Korea was an independent country. They told us that U.S. is a colonizing them. It's a modern-day colonization. And then how these children get raped by U.S. soldiers. And entirely, like, cartoons filled with the most corrupt. And then how entire humanity want to come to North Korea. <laughs> yeah, entire humanity. There's a song in North Korea called Nothing to Envy. It's a song because we have nothing to envy. We live in a socialist paradise. You literally have nothing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, when I interviewed these, these uh, New Zealanders who d- rode their motorcycles through Nor- New Zealand, I'm, I'm, through North Korea, the one thing they did say was like, beautiful country, Un- untainted nature. <gasps> No, no, no pollution. There's no trash. No trash. No, but that's not true. You think so, right? You yeah. think so. 
<laughs> look at just the why North Korea is in every year they have flooding, massive flooding. So we don't have it as, as electricity. North Korea is very cold. We are like 80% mountains, the country. So people need to get us something to burn cooked food. We live in like 16th century time. We go to mm. river to bath. We I never seen a shower, like never seen a thing. We go to a few times a year. We go to river, we take a bath, and that's it. So we have to get a chop the woods to fire, start a fire. So people go into the mountains and cut down an entire trees. And the big trees, China took it. China took it. And then the coal mine is all, China own North Korea now. Mm. They lent these like mines, coal mines, mm. gold mines for 100 years lease, 200 years lease. So they're digging, digging, digging pollution and the nuclear, the debris. They're doing so much test that now people in North Korea got deformed in their like DNA changes. So, so much flooding. I mean, they're, I'm sure they go to the part where there are trees there. Yeah. But more, when no more people live, we don't get the trees. We don't get nature. I'm so shocked when I was here today, seeing all these trees, like so many trees. So pretty, yeah. Oh, you're in Chicago now, too. Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of people uh, might not know this. I didn't even, re- I grew up in Chicago. When you fly in, mm-hmm. Chicago is like a forest. Yeah. Because every city street has just a tree in front of every house. Yeah. Right. You go to New York and it's, there's trees, but it's a big <laughs> concrete block. And, and LA is the same way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, trees everywhere. Yeah. That, that, that's a, that, that really is something truly amazing about Chicago that I, I, I should definitely give it credit for. Mm-hmm. I've been to a lot of cities, but mm-hmm. to have every city street with trees lining every house, it, it really is it really is fantastic. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I, 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 I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. the people that I interviewed, they said that they chose their route, mm-hmm. but I'm sure it was just that it was an acceptable route in the first place. Of course. Because if they went through <laughs> bad areas, mm-hmm. it was interesting. He said... They told me that a lot of people criticize North Korea for their Potemkin villages. When when someone comes in to interview, they bring them and they show them this wonderful supermarket. And they say, mm-hmm. look at all of the glorious bounty. Mm-hmm. And we in the U.S., we say they're putting on a show to make it seem like they're successful. Mm-hmm. What this uh, this New Zealander told me was, no, no, they're just dressing up. Like, like when you have your friends over, you wear your Sunday's best. You're not trying to lie to them. You're trying to be presentable, right? Hmm. That that was their perspective on it. My perspective is they're trying to trick you into thinking that people aren't suffering and dying in the streets. Soviet Union did that. Worked yeah. on a lot of U.S. officials. Bernie who, Sanders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who, who was it who said that it, uh, they, they, they came to the U.S. and said, if the, if my people saw what you know uh, we've done to them? Because he was like at, a, at an, a supermarket. It was a Cuban guy. Was it a Cuban yeah, guy? Yeah, it was a Cuban guy who said, you know, he was at an Aldi. Right, so it's not even like it's nice not like at a Whole Foods. He's at an Aldi. Isn't that not an American chain? It's, it's actually German, isn't East it? German. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, German. like, he was yeah, he was just saying like he was standing in an Aldi, and then he got too depressed and had to leave because he was like, they've destroyed our people. Like, yes. they've destroyed our country. Like, yeah. I thought there was a Russian guy who said that you know if if the pe- if my people saw the you know the, the variety or whatever. In, of, of the Americans, there would be a revolution overnight or something like oh, that. Yeah. That sounds familiar. I can't place it, though. I do think there's something silly about having, like, 80 different kinds of peanut butter. <laughs> yeah. But I suppose I'll take 80 kinds of peanut butter over no peanut butter at all. Yep. Hey, yeah. the market will decide. Right. Yeah. <laughs> all one kind of peanut butter. Yeah. Right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. <laughs> Kim Jong-un brand peanut butter. <laughs> different flavors. Here's one with the red label. Here's one with the yellow label. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, the, the joke is that in... um. In communist countries, you wait in a bread line. In capitalist countries, the bread line forms for you or something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, the bread is in a line waiting for you, all yeah. just on the shelf and everything like that. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we have our problems, though. I think that 
if you go back to the early 1900s, the rise of the communist and the fascist factions in, 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 in Europe and, uh, you know, more so towards World War II, the communists get defeated in Europe by the fascists. The fascists get defeated by the allies and the Soviet Union. But then communism begins to flourish, and thus we get the Cold War for several decades. I think one of the challenges we face is that individual liberty has weaknesses. We tolerate these authoritarians, these, these communists, and they exploit. Yeah. And so, sure, we had a Cold War. We won the Cold War, but I don't think the Cold War is actually over. Sure, the Soviet Union collapsed because their ideology doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Their plans make no sense. They have to kill people to support it. But so long as there are zealots who are willing to lie, cheat, and steal to get what they want, we, we, we potentially walk the path towards that corruption as well. Certainly, you know, countries became the way they were. It's going to require everybody to be constantly paying attention and fighting back. Otherwise, we, we end up, you know, like those countries. Yeah. Well, ideological subversion is a huge part of communist tactics. Uh, Chinese Communist Party does it all the time. They learn from the Soviet Union and enhance things. There's hardly a U.S. official who hasn't at some point been offered a trip to China or money, Chinese money gets into all kinds of places. Mm. And and that's just, we're talking about the Chinese Communist Party. The reality is that there are many different factions to this broad concept of communism. It's really a postmodern thing because it, it kind of defies being pinned down to a definition. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like, you, 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 I've spoken to people who are declared communists who are like, oh, I, I hate what's happening in China, that's awful. They don't see the connections between themselves. I do think there's some kind of blindness in the U.S. about ideology on the left, where there's this kind of idea that, like, there's no such thing as left authoritarianism, mm-hmm. where, like, we just pretend not to see it, or, like, the official media or whatever pretend that there's no such thing as left authoritarianism. You know, yep. it's, it's like a weird thing and it, it bleeds into, like it happened with Antifa where people were like, oh, it's, it's not, it's, it's an just idea. Like idea, not an organization. But then it also bleeds into like the China stuff where you have people who are just like, well, no, China's not authoritarian. You know, yeah. Well, well also, importantly, like you had the Trump administration, particularly Pompeo, bringing up ideology. This is an ideological struggle with China. That is something that the Biden administration is incapable of discussing it can it can be competing powers but the ideology which is critical to this is completely off the table i think one of the uh, most clever things pulled off by the communist or marxist or authoritarian left is that they call themselves libertarian left and we see this expressed in memes so there's the political compass memes which i'm sure you've seen the political the compass quadrant thing yeah are you familiar with the political compass Mm-hmm. It's 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 a it's a square and there's four quadrants mm-hmm. and then you have the top left which is authoritarian, the top right which is authoritarian, and the bottom you know you have left and right that are libertarian. Mm-hmm. So the libertarian right's easily definable. They're free market capitalists. Mm-hmm. You know they're like you can sell whatever you want to whoever you want as long as you agree to it. Buyer beware. <laughs> uh, caveat emptor. I think it's that's how you say it. And then you have the authoritarian right, which tends to be ideologically driven command economies ultra traditionalist and then you have the authoritarian left which is the tankies the you know soviet union etc but whenever you look at the memes about the libertarian left it's antifa and it's wokeness two authoritarian ideologies yeah. so these people i think they do it on purpose it's very clever you tell someone that if you want to be the freedom loving libertarian leftist the good guys you have to beat people 
you have to start fires and believe in our, you know, our, our cult ideology. In reality, if you look at the core of a libertarian system with cooperative economics, it is small tribes. It is small farms working together. It is, that's it. You don't force anyone to do anything. You don't beat them in a submission. You don't demand they adhere to an ideology. But if, if our, if our jokes, if our whole perspective in society is that freedom loving leftists are the people burning down buildings and to, and, and canceling people and threatening them and destroying their lives, there literally is no libertarian left in the United States. So then what's the opposition? What, you know, what, what, what opposes the authoritarians? Not the right, the right of the bad guys. Well, that leaves you with only the right because there is no opposition from the left. They have abandoned their principles. They are trying to fit in. They're trying to look good. Wokeness is nothing if not the appearance of looking compassionate and friendly. Mm -hmm. It's nothing if not the appearance of saying, oh, we'll save you. We'll bring in all these immigrants and do all this stuff. It sounds great. Mm -hmm. So there's no pushback on it. And there absolutely should be. It's put us in this position. Yeah, it's it's the tricky thing about Marxism or communism, whatever you want to call this ideology, is that it really takes advantage of the fact that I think most people are good people. Yeah. They yeah. want to help people. Mm-hmm. They would like to see the world be a more equal, right. better place. Yeah. But Marx presented this extremely simplistic view of all of human society. There are only the oppressors and the oppressed. Mm-hmm. Anything you do as an individual doesn't matter. You are either in the oppressed or the oppressors. To create a better world, obviously, you need to get rid of the oppressors. They're not going to want to be kicked out. Therefore, you have to kick them out. Yeah. You know, we need we need a crit- critical conservative theory. So all the, all the conservatives, <laughs> here you go. Cri- critical theory was, you know, the Marxist uh, rooted very much in the Marxist ideology of oppressors and oppressed based on class. I was actually just reading some good old critical race theory to better understand what they're talking about. And Kimberly Crenshaw wrote that they, they coined the phrase critical race theory on purpose so that people understood it came from the Marxist framework of critical theory. But critical theory uh, and, and Marxism didn't understand American racism. Mm. So they needed to take his philosophy of oppressed and oppressor and apply it to racial politics in the United States. So we'll do the same thing now and we'll create critical political theory. And it states that if you are a liberal, you're an oppressor. And if you're a conservative, you're oppressed. There you go, guys. That one's free. Feel free to claim that you're now victims. <laughs> yes. There you the go. The problem is it won't work. Because right. the whole point of Marxism is to create struggle. Mm-hmm. And it divides people into different groups, makes them struggle, and those groups divide up into more groups, and they fight and fight, et cetera, et cetera, intersectionality. I don't think it can be solved by people fighting each other. Right. People need to develop compassion, mm-hmm. and and because you know if you if anytime you're like arguing with people on the internet is a nightmare and no one should ever do it. <laughs> <laughs> I speak from experience, pretty much. Uh, but when you're when you're actually face to face with someone, it 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 comes down to basically like you know if somebody feels like they're being attacked, even if you are completely wrong, if you feel like you're being attacked, you will either respond in three ways: fight, flight, or paralysis. Mm. And so if somebody feels like they're being attacked, that's what's going to happen. You have to make connections with people based on, like, our common humanity. Mm-hmm. Because that is the antithesis of Marxism, that we, yeah. have, we have a shared common humanity. There are objective truths. 
true. It's, it, it seems like the, 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 you know, the, the philosophy of Marxism is just to a, a tactic for destroying a system to steal, to steal power. You know, I made the point the other day, like a lot of people say, oh, communism has never worked. That's not true. Communism has worked everywhere it's been tried because the point of communism is to create death and destruction. Is the point. It's designed to destroy a society. Yeah. They just pretend it's mm-hmm. about helping you and making the world a better place, but it's actually about how can I empower myself? And mm-hmm. I, I experienced this with Occupy Wall Street. The activists mm-hmm. literally said, you know, they would say, we want to flip the pyramid over. Now, to the untrained, flipping the pyramid over implies the working class will now be on top <laughs> and the capital will be forced to be on the bottom. What it really means, and this is what I asked, if you flip a pyramid over, the bricks crumble into a disheveled pile yeah. with only one of those bricks in the working class sitting on top. And they're, and they're like, and that'll be us. And where will the Goa'uld live? Yeah. <laughs> the Goa'uld? <laughs> in the bellies of, uh, of the people they possess? <laughs> So yes. this is the social justice stuff is very much a Trojan horse, which mm-hmm. is probably something that you you noticed, Yanmi, when you were at Columbia, was mm-hmm. that this guise of compassion and kindness. How did they couch it to you when you were first learning about social justice at your school? Did they present it as something highly positive or did they force you to do this stuff? It wasn't just so I remember at the orientation, right? And then she was like instructor came. So who likes like uh, Jane Austen? I was like, yeah, me, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> and because I didn't have love, I love like reading about love romance books. And then like, do you know this were colonial mindset bigots, <laughs> racist? Wow. So even when you think you don't know, you're just reading a classic. You're being subconsciously brainwashed by this white supremacist. So this is how you gotta be aware. How you can get brainwashed every day. I'm like, wow. <laughs> did you speak up and say, hey, actually, I'm from North Korea? And, uh, I did. I did. So before the, cla- in the, in the class, right, there's like a Western Civilization Museum Art in Colombia you have to take in a core curriculum. And then professor's like, who has a problem studying Western Civilization like the music? And everybody like raising their hands. <laughs> and they said, because of this white man killed all minority and silenced the women, we have to now study this bad you know, Beethoven and Mozart is bigots. Wow. <laughs> and I'm like, they were talented, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just musicians. So, like, that critical race theory, every single thing, they find a connection somehow. It's so smart. They're so, so, so creative to look at the problem that way, isn't it? It's oppressed or oppressor. Mozart. Oppressor. Binary. Yeah. I, I, they're now saying Beethoven was black, though. Mm-hmm. Not, mm-hmm. He, he wasn't. <laughs> but they're actually now arguing that because of white supremacy, Beethoven couldn't actually be marketed as a black man. So they had to change his race. No joke. Wow. They're, they're, they, uh, there was this big thing where they started claiming that a black man invented the light bulb and that Thomas Edison you know, just took credit it. for it. Look, Thomas Edison was not a cool dude. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> But I think the actual story was that a black man who worked for Thomas Edison uh, developed the, uh, a special filament. special filament. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But but historical revision, revisionism is very, very important, right? They need to get to the point where they can tell us that there is this individual who is God mm-hmm. and that you have to believe it or else. Yeah. They, need to, they, they need to get to the point where people can't defend themselves, will stop resisting, and will just give up. So every day that people challenge the system and say no is a bad day for this, this machine. But I, I also will say... At least for now, I don't think there is a grand architect or conspiracy or group that are trying to make it happen. I think 
You could argue there's a conspiracy in the sense that a bunch of people who have a worldview rooted in this don't realize they're destroying everything around them. Some people for sure know they're lying, cheating, and stealing, but it feels like dominoes falling over. You know, Joe Biden doesn't seem to be all with it, but he hears what people saying critical race theory is good. And he goes, okay, Mark Milley, the general, he has no idea what he's talking about. He goes, I, I just want to understand white rage. And it's like, bro, that's insane. You're, in, you're, you're believing garbage. More and more people believe it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, I think this is where the beautiful language stuff comes in. Because if you, you know, people call people useful idiots, Mm -hmm. kind of. But it's kind of more like most of them are well-meaning innocents. Mm -hmm. I've heard that term where, like, really they're just, you know, they want to be better people, like you were Mm -hmm. saying, Chris. And they want to. But, like, the beautiful language really just it kind of pulls the wool over the eyes of a lot of people. And it's on purpose. You see this in every communist society. Where, I mean, in China, they just came out with a white paper, the Communist Party, about, uh, you know, how how the Communist Party in China has led human rights for a hundred years. <laughs> They've been the leader sure of human rights. Uh, you know, because we've, you know, like, this is the time where, like, they killed 80 million people. Yeah. Uh, but they're like, yeah, no, we've definitely, you know, they redefine human rights. They say, you know, we talk about the universal universality of human rights within the context of each country. So they're already saying human rights are universal, but we're going to change what this means, human rights. And then they go, we believe that human rights are subsistence, (laughs) development, and contentment. And therefore, these are like the metrics that we're using to say that we've, you know, we've lifted so many million people out of poverty. You know, we are the leader in in human rights. But it's even absurd, even if you use that standard, because they killed and starved and like 80 million people yeah so but like they're able to kind of take this term that sounds great human rights that everybody's like these are universal you know the un says human rights are universal and then they kind of can come and like twist that Mm -hmm. to mean something else and then make themselves look good that is so interesting to me that they call it the beautiful language Mm -hmm. because this is exactly what they're doing in the u.s Mm -hmm. they're changing these terms and this is why i brought up the topic of definitions yesterday Mm -hmm. When you're going into a debate, you lay out your definitions before you even get started. Nothing proceeds until you know exactly where everyone stands and where everything is lined up. And this is why they won't define, this is why postmodernism is so dangerous. It's because they defy definition. It's it's one of their stronger points. It's basically what makes postmodernism what it is. It gives them this lability to kind of change the way you perceive the world. And when you're arguing with them, oh, well, I didn't mean that. That doesn't mean that anymore. That mm-hmm. used to mean that. It's evolved. Critical race theory. Yes. Christopher Rufo goes on Joy Reid's show on oh MSNBC and says... Critical race theory is rooted in Marxism. And she goes, no, it isn't. And he's like, uh, intersectionality is rooted in critical race theory. No, it's not. This author is a critical race theorist. No, she isn't. Of course not. And all, everything he said was true and verifiable. But they changed the definitions. She goes, Robin D'Angelo isn't a critical race theorist. She's a critical white studies author. Of course, critical white studies is a component of critical race theory. They just try and make it as confusing as possible so you can never criticize them. They, it's all semantics. I mean, it is like Orwell wrote in 1984. It's like you lose a language to describe objective reality, mm-hmm. and it drives you crazy. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's, I mean, like, that's really destructive. And, uh, I think this is when I'm shocked something. I think these are defectors in the beginning having a hard time. Because in North Korea, words, like, it doesn't mean anything. I mean, like, right? Mm-hmm. Like, those, Wokeism, you say. No, words. Like, oh. 
words mean nothing. Mm. It's in TV, like mm. say, oh, I mean, we live in the socialist paradise, blah, blah. I mean, there's never a bad news, right? So everything that you study in school is not really relevant to your actual life. When I came here, <coughs> I was so shocked how seriously the words meant to people. <laughs> and I don't know, it's, it's so insane. I don't know how they did that in North Korea. I mean, it's it's kind of the way that a communist... Is it like yeah. regime like destroys society in a certain sense because you destroy the meaning of language so like everybody's a liar yeah you exactly. have to be a liar all the yeah. time yeah. for your survival uh-huh. and well, then there's yeah. nothing right well uh, uh, you made a Stargate reference earlier <laughs> yes I did SG one though well oh, I yes. guess uh, so in the movie they go to this this other planet through the Stargate this, a portal and when they try and write. On the ground, the the, the the slaves there freak out. Like yeah. writing is forbidden. What are you doing? Mm. And they're like, "We're trying to convey an idea to you through." And it's like you can't do that. And it's because when people have the ability to, to communicate, you know, they become dangerous. They share ideas. They become they become more knowledgeable. They start to understand the collective computational power of a large group of people is, is a lot. So to keep people oppressed, you must limit their ability to understand reality and share those ideas. Well, this is why I think. The United States of America has always been the greatest enemy to communism. You know, it, it states, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that there is this, uh, I mean, they called it like nature or the creator mm-hmm. that gives people inalienable rights. This is different from most other countries, that you you don't have freedom of speech or freedom of religion because the government grants you that. Mm-hmm. You have it because you're human. You have this because some something beyond human understanding has made it an innate part of your existence. And that creates an objective reality that is the opposite of communism, like Shelley was talking about with human rights in China. What they're saying is, we have our definition of human rights. You have your definitions of human rights. Don't enforce your values. Don't push your values on us. Mm-hmm. And, but, and then you get lost in like all these word games, but if you just zoom out, and, like, what the Chinese Communist Party is doing to the Uyghurs is evil. Right. What it's doing to Falun Gong is evil. What it's doing to all the Chinese people is evil. That is objective truth. The one thing that greatly benefits China in the international conflict where we're trying to convince people who's right and who's wrong is the narrative of Black Lives Matter in the United States about some grand institutionalized racism where they come out and say, look what you're doing to these minorities. And it's all exaggerated or extreme or... Oh. At the very least, they hyper-focus on some stories that make it seem like the whole of the country is racist or broken. I mean, that's what Chinese propaganda has been doing mm-hmm. about the U.S. for years. Um, every day, there's a 30-minute Chinese news show that plays on every channel, right? And, like, it's always, whenever they talk about America, it's always about how dangerous and violent and mm-hmm. racist and whatever, how bad it is. And so this stuff about critical race theory is kind of just like, it's exactly the same thing, and they are so happy. The Chinese Communist Party, like, loves this. They use it all the time. Like, they can just say, oh, well, you can't criticize us for Wuhan, uh, the lab leak or the coronavirus. I mean, they won't admit it's a lab leak, but, you know, you say that, it's racist. Um, there was an incident that happened in the U.N. last week where Canada was about to bring up that they should be an investigation into the Uyghur genocide, and the Chinese representative stood up and was like, bef- preemptively said, actually, there needs to be an investigation to Canada 
for what happened to the indigenous children. <laughs> you know, like, yep. like he just like right before the Canadian uh, official was going to say something, just came up in a classic Communist Party move. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, they love. You know, you know, you know, it's funny. There's, there's this. Uh, it's like a joke idea. Um, what if we are actually in North Korea? Not like literally the physical space. Like, what if people in America are the ones who think they're so smart and think they know the world, but it's all propaganda, it's all manipulation, it's all controlled. And then actually in these other countries, they have spaceships and they have, you know, a hundred years more advanced technology. The idea is that for a lot of people, you just believe what the TV tells you, you just believe the newspapers tell you. I suppose the difference is the United States, we have these kinds of conversations that challenge our own understanding of, of the world. We also have freedom of movement so we can go to these other countries right. or meet people uh-uh. in these countries. You can't though. You can go to a lot of countries, but there are some countries you can't go to. American passport will not get you in. Not in North Korea. That's true. I have to take your word for it, and you might be CIA. See? That proves it. I know. I'm kidding. (laughs) But but there are a lot of countries you can't get into. No, I I, I think it's a funny idea, but uh, the fact that you can even mention this idea that our government does lie to us. Of course they lie to mm-hmm. us. There's classified information. They have to lie in some circumstances, but they lie when they shouldn't. And there's a lot of people who are corrupt. But then our media lies to us all the time as well. Yeah. I do think it's funny when we talk about the things China is doing. And, you know, you mentioned that China's got this program where they say all these things about the United States. We got the same thing, sort of, right? <laughs> We've got these corporate American deep state whatever media that just say whatever the establishment wants them to say. Granted, we also have the internet with some <laughs> free speech still available to the rest of us, but more so than these many, many of these other countries. I mean, we, the great thing for China is that the American corporate media is saying the same thing as the Chinese propaganda. Is. Exactly. Right. Especially <laughs> during the entire coronavirus. Mm, yeah, that's the, nice. the, the solid they did for China. Oh, yeah. And yeah. YouTube saying you can't uh, speak out against the World Health Organization. What they say is law. Don't say anything that contradicts them. Well, even worse, this is something we covered recently. Like a lot of these medical journals early on that were saying, uh, you know, it's it lab leak hypothesis, complete conspiracy theory. Yeah. Uh, not only were they quoting scientists like Dr. Peter Daszak, who was working with the Wuhan Institute of Virology. <laughs> right. China is giving money to some of the biggest medical journals in the world, Lancet and mm, Springer yeah. Nature, right? Yeah, na- Springer Nature and El- Elsevier, which is the Sorry, parent. Elsevier company of Lancet, they get a lot of money from China to publish open access journals. Wow. So somebody estimated that Springer Nature's deal with China is worth like 10 million a year. Wow. You want you want to uh, I, I think it's much worse than anybody realizes. Yeah. Let me explain to you guys how easy it is to control the American narrative, especially with something like YouTube. YouTube is one of the greatest vehicles for political propaganda ever created. Let's say you're China. You want the American public to believe your lies and your propaganda. It's simple. Take a large portion of your money and then buy ads on the YouTube channels that say the things that uh, you like. It's that simple. What ends up happening is YouTube sees that, uh, oh, advertisers really love these particular uh, YouTubers. Mm. They generate a ton of ad revenue, prop them up, boost them in the algorithm. They get prominent uh, positioning. They get more and more views. They become wealthy and successful. They hire people and expand their companies. It's that simple. There's no way to track it unless Google was audited and forced to reveal where the money is coming through. But it's very, it, it, this works in any capacity. Any individual can run any videos and ad and anybody can buy an advertisement and choose to run it on a specific channel. So if you find somebody who's producing a show called like 
China, you know, the, the, a YouTube channel called Why China is Right. And every day they do an hour video where as an American, they're like, this is lies and propaganda. China is great. Some political actor might not be able to physically fund that without a, a, an ad appearing. YouTube will say, this is a Chinese sponsored. But the Chinese government can put money into a company, which then advertises sneakers. And they say, we want to run all of these ads for sneakers on this channel. On this China is right. On this China is right channel. And you think this China is right channel would make a lot of money? I would say well, so. it makes a lot of money because they're giving the money to the creator and to Google. Shall Google I doesn't take care. Notes. <laughs> well, so so think about it, right? If you guys have a YouTube channel, the U.S. government could be secretly putting money into Google, and you would never know. As an individual, you would not know because Google just says, "Hey, here's how much money you made in ads," and you have no idea where the ads came from or what the ads are for. I tell I have people they mention to me like, "Oh, I got a Bloomberg ad on your video once." This is back during the election or oh, whatever, yeah. in primaries. And I'm like, good, I rag on the guy all the time. So if he's paying me to rag on him, it's understandable that he wants to try and counter that narrative. But I don't think you guys buy it, right? I think my audience is smart enough to realize the dude's full of it and he's buying political ads. And I'll take his money. But what if what if it's more uh, insidious than that? What if it's a company for air conditioners? You just every ad spot that you have. So there's, there's ad inventory. Your video could be a certain amount of, of minutes. Maybe it's 15 minutes. And a YouTube ad can appear every certain amount of minutes. And the, algorithmically, they, they, they restrict how many ads can appear. Not every video sells every possible ad space. But what if you were uh, China? You saw a YouTuber who was constantly saying things good about you. You could indirectly make sure every single available ad on that channel was paid for. And that YouTuber is now making tons of money, successful, and driven to produce more of the content they're doing because it works. China's doing it simpler. They're just they're just directly paying yeah. some YouTubers. Yeah. And I don't think those YouTubers have like a state sponsored. No. Right, there are right. a bunch of like like white pro China YouTubers suddenly yeah. who are going to Xinjiang and walking around saying there's no genocide here. Wow. Look at yeah. this cotton field. Where's the genocide? There was uh, this really creepy moment where China was uh, asking people to upload a video to their YouTube channels where it was a guy complaining about a Falun Gong show in New York City. They were mm-hmm. like, I think it was Falun Gong. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. It was some like theater show. And he was like, this is wrong and creepy. Why is this religious organization being allowed to put on this show? And you, you, you'd get an email and they were like, we'll give you $200 to upload this to your channel right now. And Oh, yeah, I heard about this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's super weird. Yeah, I think it's against the rules, but maybe not. Do you guys feel like this is capitalism defeating itself? Like the fact that people are being able to monetize this money that's available to weaponize information against the way that the West has become powerful? That's kind of what I've been thinking. This might be kind of a tangential answer to that question, but I think like I don't believe in capitalism. Ah. I think that's a that's a Marxist kind of construct, that's to it, true. a binary. Yeah, right. You have <coughs> communism or you have capitalism. And that's not really true. It's like you have freedom to engage in the economy. Mm-hmm. It's it's not capitalism. freedom. Yeah, capitalism it's, existed as like the normal normal human mode of trade and economics. And then Marx kind of gave a name to it. Right. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. It was just enterprise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and while mm-hmm. also ignoring that, you know, there were other systems like mercantilism mm-hmm. or subsistence farming 
It just blames all the problems in history on of capitalism. Course, yes. That guy was nuts. <laughs> well, he was. Crazy, dude. I hear he smelled bad, too. I heard he was yeah, racist. Probably. Gross. He, he should be was. canceled for his racism. He actually yeah. was kind of racist, right? <laughs> he was, yeah. All right. Well, uh, uh, we should take Super Chats. If you haven't already, give us a like, that like button, subscribe to the channel, and share the show. If you think these conversations are important, we're definitely going to have more like it. And now we, we, there's a lot of questions because this is, this is like one of the more serious you know, uh, shows that we've done. Yeah. All right. Ardwick says it's about time Tim gets a real Korean on his show. <laughs> joking, joking. <laughs> Love you both. Hi, Yanmi. Uh, All right. I think they want more Stargate. References. I think so. Yeah, yeah that's. I've what been I watching a lot of SG1. I love that show. Yeah, yeah, me too. It's fantastic. Yeah, big fan. <laughs> oh yeah, you yeah. guys, you you've all been watching it. Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. I, I missed it when it was on, so I've been going through it on Netflix. Oh, and now really? I'm like on the sixth season. It's I like oh. The I one think, with I think I'm on Dom DeLuise is the best. Oh, television. don't spoil it for me. <laughs> okay. I, I, I think I'm on season three, but I think I started with season two, so I need to like stop and go back and make sure I watch. But having a blast. All right, Mark Giadetti. So, uh, Guidetti says, Yanmi is, Yanmi is such an inspiring human being. Aww. Tim, it's surprising. It, uh, it took this long to have her as a guest. Well, you know, we, have to, we have to do it. <laughs> Thank you. Garhunt says, Chris and Shelley love your show. Can you talk about your Uyghur teacher who escaped interview? And then they said, Yanmi is the hottest Korean in America. Sorry, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. I think, he's, I think he's talking about the guy we interviewed who he was that he tried to start a kindergarten. Oh, him. Yeah. And he tried to start a kindergarten and was put in prison for it because he oh, wanted wow. to teach the Uyghur language in this kindergarten. And the most interesting thing, I think, that came out of our conversation, he was also raped. When he was put in this oh. like prison That's camp, that's standard for everyone. It's oh. just he said it's just a matter of how much you can. Yeah, rape. he was like a little. Ra- he was <clears throat> raped only once or twice. I think that was kind of how he put it. Yeah. But like he talked about how you know even growing up as a Uyghur in China, he had this idea that like it was kind of a misunderstanding mm. that if the Chinese Communist Party just really understood what was happening with the Uyghurs, like, on the ground, then there wouldn't be so much repression. Mm-hmm. You know, like, he just kind of thought it was a misunderstanding. And this is something we've heard from multiple wow. Chinese dissidents or people who have been in prison for their beliefs or whatever, that, like, they thought it was just, like... Because they grew up in this environment where they're taught... Like, even if you try to resist the brainwashing, if you're a dissident, you're a pretty stubborn person, right? You're a pretty stubborn, opinionated person. But even people who were like able to dissent from an authoritarian system they had that part of them that was kind of a little bit in disbelief that it would actually get so bad like he didn't think he was going to go to prison for starting a kindergarten like yeah or like those the the recent student protests they had Mm -hmm. a legitimate complaint about Mm -hmm. the government taking uh, private schools and blending them with vocational schools kind of watering down their degrees they protested I don't think they knew that they were protesting on the anniversary of June 4th, the Tiananmen Square wow. massacre. Because they didn't know. They didn't Probably know. Probably not. Yeah. And, yeah, so I'm sure to them, it's, it's. I think what always happens is it's like, oh, this is an obviously reasonable thing. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the party is reasonable. Nope. It's not. And, actually, this was something, this was a really good point for understanding China that um, another Chinese YouTuber, Laowai86, Sea yeah. uh, Milk mentioned, and I thought this was really, really clever. When people, like, the Communist Party says, like, you know, people in China have huge approval ratings of the Communist Party. And now there's all the propaganda to, you know, whatever. But I think, but he said part of it is essentially true, that when people think of the Communist Party and the, the Communist Party they like, they think of the big 
faraway central government, the main ideas. But if you ask people about their local leaders, the Communist Party having a direct impact on their lives, that's when they're like, oh, we hate the local officials. <laughs> They've right. se- it's separated in their minds. Yeah. All right. Patty B says, I used to think Agent Smith was a bad guy, but watching China Uncensored changed my mind. Thanks, China Uncensored, for your work exposing the CCP. It's especially important for my country, Australia. Mm-hmm. Graphene for life. Yes. Ian is not here today, though. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Bub Savvy says, repeat after me, I trust the government. They will not take my wealth, but the wealth of those I choose. Wealth that once distributed will reflect on society my virtues. I repeat with confidence, I trust the government. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, I don't know about that That's one. How that'll work. <laughs> All right. What is this? What is this? Um, El Rojo Grande says, hey, Tim, PSA just released a limited edition AR-15 lower in response to Biden's comments on defense from a tyrannical government. The Tyranny 15 Safety selection has freedom. F-15 and nukes engraving. Very cool. <laughs> yeah, Joe, Joe Biden. Uh, I made the joke on Twitter that I'm sure uh, King King George III said, you you, you you doth think I would succeed in battle against the crown? Because they, they don't really talk that way, I know. <laughs> you would need cavalry and frigates. Yep. This idea that Joe Biden basically said, if we're a repressive government, don't even bother. That's, that's what it sounded like he was saying. It's the craziest thing. Yeah. It was also your reference a quote from Thomas Jefferson, which was which is funny for him to uh kind of disparage. Okay, let's see what we got. Tom Holland says, Hey Tim and crew, twenty five year old brain cancer survivor. Ooh. Can be secretary, whatever you guys need, minimal pay. I love what you guys do. Feel free to uh send an email over to jobs at timcast.com. Yeah. All right. Jay Vance 131 says, I love Yanmi Park. Please let her know that all of us in America support her and we will always protect her. She is an amazing and very brave woman. Amen. That is true. Thank you. <laughs> Chuck Norris Gun Club says, send her to Congress. Yes. Yeah. Have you, have you testified to Congress before? Any issues? No. I think that would be very yeah. important for How do we make that happen? Um, I don't know. People should find the appropriate Republican who has the uh, gall to challenge wokeism and wokeness and bring on someone who's had experience. Josh Hawley. Would that be Santis? Massey. Rubio. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. I think Hawley would do it. I think Cruz. Cruz would do it. Ted Cruz. He wrote a letter about this and introduced a bill to ban critical race theory. So Ted Cruz, are you listening? Yeah. Definitely should have Yummy Park testify about what what these communists do. And that lady from Virginia. The lady from Virginia. Yeah, the lady who escaped Maoist China. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I thought you were referring to a politician. But no, 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 no. Not from Virginia, no way. <laughs> hey, Loudoun County's doing all right. I know, yeah. That's where that lady was. Final why, uh, final Ixer, or Yikeser, I'm not sure. He says, uh, her story is literally heartbreaking. Mm. I always knew North Korea was bad, but this is crazy. Yeah. Yeah, the story about no love. Like, mm. that is so dark. sad. Wow. Yeah. Fob Joe says, most of us know Tim's opinion about Trump crossing the DMZ, but Yanmi has a contrasting opinion. I'd love for you two to have a discussion about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that, that super chat was actually before I think we, we didn't bring it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because for me, it was kind of like Trump took a big risk doing it. Yeah. But I but I certainly think he ended up not getting much from it's it. Much, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Rockslide says, I had to donate today to say that you are a hero, Yanmi. Hearing your story shook me to my core. And in this world, not much does that anymore. You are a glowing reminder why this fight is so important. Amen. Oh, thank you. Yeah. That's the nicest thing I've ever heard. I mean, I it's became true. big at, after the Fox News thing. And <laughs> 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 they were like, actually, my personal friends are reaching out to me. I'm concerned about you. 
why are you doing this? Why are you being like, oh, why are you being used by like Henry, Sean Henry? Mm-hmm. He said he's a liar, he's a propagandist. Why did you have to share that on Fox News? And I was like, they were the only one who was interested in listening to me. Right. Wow. If New York Times calls me, I'm going to do interview with them and share my views. And they're like, okay. But so New York Times didn't call you? No. <laughs> but they're communists. So <laughs> yep. not literally, but there are this, this ideological element taking over these, mm-hmm. these industries. But it was interesting. When I was criticizing Trump, New York Times loved me. Of course they did. Yeah. yeah. So whenever they fit their narrative, they yep. use me. Welcome so they the are the ones actually using you. And it's like, yeah. I, uh, uh, Mark Robertshaw says Kim is a go-a-old. <laughs> what have <laughs> you done? <laughs> wow. Why is Stargate all of a sudden becoming relevant? I don't know. So I, I, used to, I used to quote Star Trek all the time, and people were like, Tim, you got to watch Stargate SG-1. So I was like, I started watching it, and I watch it like a couple episodes every day. Wow. Now all of a sudden, it's not Star Trek anymore. It's Stargate. <laughs> it's a good show, though. Fantastic it. show. It yeah. is really cool. A really cool show. Except for the weird full frontal nudity in the pilot. Oh boy! <laughs> what, was there? Yeah, it was. I think they Tim were. Forgot. I didn't <laughs> see the pilot. It was, oh, it was, it was on Star- Showtime. Yeah, it was going right. to be on Showtime. Oh, so okay. they were like, "Oh, this is Showtime." It's like a nude Richard Dean Anderson or something. <laughs> no, no, no. It was <laughs> nude women. So. Oh, yeah. of course. Oh, yeah, okay. they know their right, audience. Well, yeah. well then. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Richard Dean Anderson, if you're watching. <laughs> <laughs> uh, He's a great character, though. Uh, um, O'Neill was fantastic. He's oh, yeah. fantastic. Very different from the movie. All right. Michael Brogan says, my question is for Yanmi. I noticed that you couldn't laugh at the absurdities of the North Korean regime. The concept is foreign to us and Americans. How long did it take you to get to that point? And is it a normal reaction now? To be not shocked by like the regime. Like to, like to laugh at what they do and what they represent, I suppose. I'm not okay. Yeah, the other day I was sharing this meme, right? In North Korea, killing yourself is, uh, is a crime. So th- if someone tried to kill yourself, they are going to execute you. <laughs> oh, <my> gosh. <laughs> I saw that one. Oh, wow. You're going to kill yourself anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that is... It's a little dark. <laughs> very dark. But it's, it's, it's like obvious why it's funny. It's, it's, it's a representation of how horribly mismanaged and nonsensical it's the system absurd, is. yeah. And they do not allow any disobedience. Even killing yourself is not up to you. Right. It's mm. up to me as a state. Wow. You do not even have that right. So that's the thing. Like in America, people are saying, "Oh my God, we we have so much problem. We have homeless people." So do you know what happens if you become homeless in North Korea? You send to prison camp. Yeah. So being a homeless is a privilege, guys. <laughs> like you have that much freedom. That's and interesting. I couldn't believe like these people just they choose be homeless and that's their freedom. And yeah, yeah. in North Korea, we don't even have that freedom. There is no freedom gratitude in the U.S. Yeah, freedom yeah. to fail. Yeah. Yeah. No. Okay. Matthew Lunsford says, Thanks for fighting against critical race theory. I'm not a colonizer, and my wife isn't oppressed. My children shouldn't be taught otherwise. Mm-hmm. I definitely think one of the biggest uh, um, weaknesses of critical race theory and, the criti- and, and these, these identitarians is mixed race people. Yeah. Telling, telling a white person they're an oppressor and they're evil, it's like they're literally married to a person of a different race, or, or you know, it could be the man or the woman. And then all of a sudden they just say, oh, well, you're fetishizing the other person. And it's like, you are seriously insulting love. Like, few people who care about each other and love each other. And what does that mean to their kids Mm -hmm. who can't split their DNA apart and not be a product of your psychotic ideology? Yeah. You can tell I take personal uh, issue (laughs) with those. Understandably. Yeah. Yeah. Bonker says, nobody really owns land in the U.S. either. 
miss a property tax payment and see what happens. The only difference is we can hand our property, uh, we, we can hand our property in the tax department with it down to our family. Mm-hmm. But can you do that in China? Like the lease you buy, give to a family member, like if you die or something? I mean, it's good for 70 years. Oh, okay. Really? So theoretically, yes. So that's still very different though. Yeah. But like most people don't actually own even a lease to a land because most property in China is apartments. Mm. So, you know, you can own the apartment, but you can't own any of the land associated with it. Hmm. Interesting. Ji Young Huang says, I'm a Korean Canadian from South. I'm quite sure I know more about North Korean history than most North Koreans. Things always start with a bait, the most mm. prominent one being land redistribution. Oh, definitely. Mm-hmm. And I think that's true, though. I, yeah. I, I, does it, do, you, do you think that's true that South Koreans probably know more about North Korea than North Koreans? Uh, you know more about North Korea than no change know about themselves right. I mean they said I told you we don't even know like <laughs> we are isolated yeah so when people say like he, at Columbia they say like, oh, I'm so oppressed right like do you know actually when you're oppressed you don't know you're <laughs> oppressed yeah <laughs> so uh, yeah I, I believe it was Harriet Tubman who said I freed many slaves mm-hmm. I would have freed many more if only they knew they were slaves wow exactly yeah. powerful stuff Grant says ask you on me about North Korean education and how they combine math with indoctrination so, yeah, that's the thing, everything. But other than that, the most important subject you have to learn is the, the, you know, the Kim's revolution history. Like what kind of miracles they do, you know, how much they love their people. If, 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 uh, uh he's a god, if Kim Il-sung was a god, mm-hmm. then what's, what's the story of the creation of North Korea? Like, do they believe he just manifested it or do, do they believe it was a revolution? No, there was a rainbows <laughs> singing in the sky. <laughs> the universe chose wow. the light came out, you know, from it's the mountain. It's a Pink Floyd cover. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but, but they do believe it came from the mountain, right? The, the, was yeah. it the Back to Dagon? Yeah, Back to Mountain. Yeah. And then this is a universe chosen. It's not us. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But then, so then he gave us his son. Yeah. But then what's Kim Jong-un? So they lost a little bit, <laughs> <laughs> but they say like Kim Jong Un is more like the father, the first grandfather. He came back to serve the people. <laughs> so uh-huh. they say he actually did plastic surgery to look like his grandfather. He really? gained the weight. Yeah, he acted like grandfather. So to remind people, like that's how much the dear leader loves you. I just, I, I, yeah. I have a feeling that there's like at some point you got a bunch of these like North Korean Communist Party members and they're like sitting there like kind of just half glazed over. Uh, let's just say uh, Kim Il Sung came back. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. They'll believe it. They will believe but it. I, I guess. But you literally get executed. One of the execution that Kim Jong Un did was somebody fell asleep during the meeting. Wow. And that afternoon he just got executed. He's a top top official in the country. Wow. Yes. Don't they want to leave? No. Because they know they are loyalties, right? Wow. These these official guys have a hundreds concubines. Mm. There is no such a concept in North Korea rape or sexual harassment. Nobody get persecuted for that. So if you, officials walking on the street, I want that girl, bring her. Nobody persecute them. Hmm. It's a horrifying place. So Yikes. yeah, for yeah. these guys, it's their dream. Like Kim Jong Un has a pleasure squad. Oh. They go Yuck. around the country. Every village, every school, they bring these girls, train them, mm. and then make them pleasure squad. But not only for Kims, uh, everybody else, all these tabulated men. So Man. they have these lost parties while they're preaching communism models to us. And there, there are a lot of stories that certainly, certainly make me understand why people are interventionalists. Mm, yep. Interventionist, is that the right word? Yeah. 
I, I just think, like, when I hear these stories, it's like everyone in America lives a life of privileged yes. ignorance. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. We, we and we need to know these things. We, we need to know how good we have it. Yes. Yeah. I think it's one of the problems we're facing. A, a lot of younger people, millennial, uh, Gen Z, Gen Alpha, they think they have it bad. Huh. Yeah. Well, I always say this, like, when was the last time you had to pay a bribe? In America. Oh, yeah. You can't. That's so Not common easy. in the world. Right. In so many countries, Everywhere. that's like daily life. Yeah. Yeah. Not, 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 not in the U.S. In the U.S., people are so scared of losing their jobs, they won't even stand up for themselves. Mm-hmm. Not everybody, but a lot of people are like, I can't take a bribe, I'll get in trouble. Mm-hmm. We have scruples. It's a good thing. Yeah. I, I, it worries me, though, because I think we're losing it. We're getting to that point where bribes might actually matter. However, though, I, the, the woke ideology stuff, purity is more important than anything. Mm-hmm. So when you're terrified of getting canceled... People won't cross. Hmm. <coughs> no. Though some people end up with multi-million dollar mansions. I mean, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's true. Your girlfriend's boyfriend says, I'm a big manly man, and hearing the finer details of Yanmi's story made me cry and unable to repeat to others. Why? Because it was so harsh. On a lighter note, I want to take her to dinner and see how much she can eat now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can eat. <laughs> oh, I believe it. It's oh, good. yeah. <laughs> I definitely can eat. <laughs> Michael McKesson says, Tim, your vi- uh, love your video shooting the M82 brings a smile to my face. Yeah, we, w- we went out with a Barrett M82. Do you guys know what that is? Um, I imagine it's big. Yes. It's very big. Mm-hmm. It is for hunting helicopters. Oh. <laughs> yes. There's too many helicopters in this country. It's true. Yeah, they They're become a breeding. nuisance every so often, and you got to call the numbers. Otherwise, they, they keep breeding, and yeah. there's helicopters everywhere. But it's so cute when they're feeding their young. <laughs> Little baby helicopters. helicopters. Baby helicopters. Uh, it really is for hunting helicopters. Not literally, not like anyone's actually doing that in the United States. It's just a very, very large Well, come on, gun. man. Why does anyone need that kind of a gun? I mean, helicopters. Um, Because... It's a helicopters. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> you never know. You know, bad helicopter. What if like a, what if a burglar comes to your house in a helicopter and he's like an Apache <laughs> right? and you're yeah. like, hey, you know what you're supposed to do? Uh, we're allowed to have it. That's the thing. Joe Biden doesn't want us to have it. That's for sure. But we are. Commander two three two says, Park. I have much respect for you and wish you the best. I was stationed in South Korea in 2010 through 2011 when I was in the army, and all the Korean people I met were so welcoming and wanting to work with you. Uh, uh, and, and wanting to work with you, and that included North Koreans I met at the DMZ. Mm. Mm. Interesting. Wow. <coughs> I was there. I was in South Korea then. Oh, interesting. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I went to uh, uh, the, the first time I ever went. It was with, with Luke, actually. And we mm. went to a raccoon cafe. <laughs> Have you ever, did you ever go to any of those? No. Where you go inside and there's raccoons everywhere and you can just pet them and they're like, you give them food. <laughs> it sounds raccoons? incredibly raccoons. dangerous. <laughs> oh my <laughs> terrible. We have <laughs> cat cafes. Yeah. Like the sheep, baby lamb cafes. Yes. And there were dog cafes. Uh-huh. But the dogs are so messy. Yeah. They're like barfing. And, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, I'm tr- like they, they expect you to sit down and like have food or like have a drink, like a boba or something. Nothing. It's like there's just dogs running around. <laughs> it was fun though. We went. It was definitely fun. <laughs> okay. Mountain Man Chuck says, random question for Yanni. Have you ever been to a live performance of Beethoven's Ninth Symphony? No, I haven't. But I would love to. Yeah. I, yeah. I think biggest appreciation that I have is that for North Korean people, history was forgotten. So I never knew. I mean, even though God made you or the Big Bang happened, still we can like connect to the humanity longer. Yeah. But in North, being in North Korea, you just never learn anything before Kim. Like our calendar starts to tell when Kim Il-sung was born. Everything before was erased for us. So I think I feel like this lineage now with the humanity. 
But in nursery, you just don't have that. So if they believe that like rainbows and singing in the sky mm-hmm. and then from the mountains comes Kim Il-sung, mm-hmm. who's everybody else? Who are the Americans? Like where do they come from? No, you guys are so <laughs> my uh, friend, white friend, I took to her to South Korea. My mom was the first thing touching her. Because we learned that you guys are cold-blooded. <laughs> <laughs> and we don't have internet. We cannot look up how Americans look like. Like school posters. That's how they show they have huge nose, green eyes. What? And Yankees and like cold-blooded monsters, right? They don't even have a heart. Huh. What, did, what, what was your mom's reaction when she... She's like, oh my God, you're a worm. <laughs> 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 and she was like, why would you touch us? Yeah. So <laughs> she always wants to know if sh- they were actually called the blooded or not. Interesting. Yeah. Morgan Nair. $10 for Knowles the first time. $10 for Lauren Chen. $10 for Knowles the second time. $10 for China Uncensored. $10 for Uber Ian. Yeah. 10 for Wonderful Lids. 10 Aww. for Yanmi, the bravest, most wonderful voice we have. And $10 Aww. for teaching about the horrors of communism. God bless. Thank you. Thank mm-hmm. you very much. It is certainly horrifying. Mm. All right. Let's see. Oh man, there's some. Uh, uh, I think someone super chatted in uh, in Korean. I can't read oh, the. Yeah. the one. Uh. <laughs> All right, let's see. But we'll, we'll come down to that. We'll come down. To that. It, it, it jumps, and you get a big inf- influx of super chats. Ken Bosick says something. Something Bitcoin fixes this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we talk about crypto all the time, but I certainly think Bitcoin does in many ways. In in Venezuela, for instance, where they want to control and regulate currency and control the people, they can share with Bitcoin. Yeah. Of course, in North Korea, if you don't have a smartphone, the technology yeah, to actually use this yeah. stuff, it's probably hard to actually, um, you know. fix it. Here's a question that's probably for me, but I'll, I'll, I'll say it for, uh, I'll, I'll ask Yanmi. Brent Chappell says, what has been your favorite anime so far and which one do you want to watch next? Anime? Yeah. <laughs> Japanese cartoons. So this is the thing because uh, I came out as a, like almost seventeen years old. I I mean I did not know Michael Jackson was right mm-hmm. when people say Michael Jackson was a big deal. Who was that? And then when Steve Jobs died, like I have no clue who Steve Jobs is. Yeah. So my culture thing is so behind. So I actually never seen any anime. So. It's like um, when Captain America had the book. Of mm-hmm. all the things he missed when he was frozen. Yeah, yeah. You gotta go through it, you know? And I, I was like, I'm going through, I'm gonna taste a lobster. And like, tomorrow I'm gonna eat shrimp. I'm gonna eat this. All like, the stuff you know. to do, yeah. Yeah. Well, when Yomi said, like, she had never seen a shower before, mm. I was thinking of, like, Demolition Man. <laughs> where he's in the future and, like, oh, he doesn't know what the three seashells are. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't know how to use the shells. <laughs> it's like that. That's if you come from North Korea, yeah. you'd yeah. have no idea. The yeah. shells. Yeah. Gosh, those shells. All right. <laughs> Alternative JK90 says, shout out to Yanmi and China Uncensored uh, for what you do best. Question for Yanmi, Shelly, and Chris. What is your take on the South Korean president? My mom believes he, secret- he secretly is siding with President Xi and the CCP. Thank you, Yanmi, from a Korean. Oh, thank you. I, I'm going to let Chris, you guys, you guys do such a good job oh. covering about him. Uh, well, I wouldn't... doesn't seem so secret to me. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, can, like... Uh, Moon Jae-in is a, a, in his youth he was a a, a leftist, a, kind of a communist sympathizer. Uh. So there are a lot of people who think that he is still basically that, and the people that are in power in, in South Korea are sympathize sympathize with North Korea, would like to unify right with North Korea, and also are sympathetic towards China and turning away from the U.S. Essentially, yeah. we did a few videos on China and censored mm-hmm. about that topic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Is is the so the idea of unification that he wants is let's like come together and let's vote 
South Korea, there are like 10 more parties. North mm-hmm. Korea, one communist party. Right. So who gets more vote? Kind of rule the entire Korea. So yeah. <laughs> in Korea, you get like 90, 90% of the voting rate. So they won't be exactly go under Kim Jong-un. You can vote communism in. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, exactly. yeah, vote it, <laughs> out. Yeah, vote it out. <laughs> you know that. You got to fight your way out. That's yeah. what it is, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. <laughs> Sejong the Great says, the use of the word capitalist and subsequently capitalism were coined in Germany in the 1850s and ultimately capitalized by a prominent German writer, Karl Marx. Mm-hmm. The actual definition of our system as capitalist is Marxist thinking. It's not. That's right. Yeah. 1991, Shadowheart says, go old lives matter. <laughs> <laughs> Toker lives matter. Yes. <laughs> Politically, def- I, I know these references now. Politically <laughs> yeah. Defiant says, Walter, make it spin. Also, Jason Moma will always be Ronan Dex from Atlantis. Well, Pegasus Galaxy. That's right. Um, I hear good things about Atlantis. Have you watched Stargate Atlantis? No, I haven't yet. No. I kind of think SG-1, you know, it's like, it's pretty good. Isn't I got to gotta watch it. There's, there's a lot to it, though. A lot of people are mentioning they're watching SG-1. Oh, my gosh. Great. <laughs> Andrew Roan says, I'm getting anti-gun ads on gun channels now. I doubt that these channels are getting the ad money, most likely YouTube inserting propaganda. They're probably getting the ad money. They probably are. Um, YouTube allows ads on, on gun channels, maybe because of anti-gun propaganda. Uh-huh. So long as the gun is in an appropriate facility, you can't have it in a bedroom, it's got to be in a gun range or a store, right. you're fine. And you also can't take sponsorship from people who sell guns. That's interesting. We've uh, covered gun issues on our other show America Uncovered a few times mm-hmm. and I think it's always demonetized mm-hmm. yeah that sounds mm-hmm. right yeah. Yeah. T-Town says Tim I'm not getting notifications for you anymore they are trying to bury you hashtag don't bury Tim that's right that's right they are mm-hmm. so you need to like this video subscribe to this channel hit the notification bell and even then it doesn't do anything so I guess if you really like the show you can share the show go to the site and uh, go to com. become a member help support our work because we're going to be bringing on more journalists and expanding our content new website launching in just a few weeks but I guess so long as you like the show and you just come and watch it of your own volition YouTube doesn't owe me promotion mm-hmm. YouTube doesn't owe me notification bells uh, I, I guess technically if you choose to get notified and you don't they're kind of ripping you off. So set an alarm on your phone yeah. mm-hmm. for Monday through Friday at 8 p.m. Yeah. Nambot says SG-1 is so relevant because wokeism equals Goa old. And season four, episode six, window of opportunity, best episode ever. I'm not there yet. I gotta really watch this show. Yeah, it's time <laughs> to watch the show, I'm I guess. so sorry. <laughs> <sword winner. laughs> All right. We'll just do, uh, we'll do a couple more here. I'm lost. AI train. I think it's says A train or is it L train? Thank you for bringing Yami onto the show. I picked up her book recently, and it's one of the most heartbreaking stories I've ever read. What she went through is hell, and to come out of it and be the person she is today is just amazing. She's a wonderful person. Yes. Do you want to mention your book? Yeah, it's it's called In Order to Live. Yeah, that book ended when I began Columbia, right before. Thank Ah. God. Imagine if I would stay there. There's going to be a whole other chapter about it. (laughs) Then maybe it would not be published, and reviewed by in the mainstream so yeah, that's right. the kind of book yeah. that should be in s- required in schools you know mm. understanding other other cultures understanding authoritarianism maybe in florida you also have a youtube channel oh yeah i do i have a channel that talks about north korea cool yeah I'll i talk that, about yeah. the beauty standard of north korea so you know in north korea who's the hottest guy because <laughs> 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 everybody's so poor, right? So oh. in North Korea, have thin waistline is not a beauty, right? Being heavier, and if you are bored, 
symbol of status. Oh. So you gotta be chubby and bald, <laughs> then wow. you are very attractive. There. There's uh, <laughs> so we're gonna get maybe we were, we were having a laugh with Michael Malice, and we we're talking about getting an old timey painting where we can like take the eyes out and have the eyes follow you. And <laughs> Michael said that we should. He showed us a picture, a painting of Kim uh, Jong Il wearing a samurai outfit and riding a tiger. Oh. Have you ever seen that painting before? No. He was like, this is the painting you have to get. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I'm down. Like, that'd be amazing. Wow. Yeah. That'd be really we funny. We gotta do that. That sounds great. Yeah. Darun Olbane says, Tim, watch Farscape show. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that's after SG-1, I suppose. Farscape was cool. Mm-hmm. Was it? Not as All good right. as SG-1. Mm-hmm. Samuel Brucker says, so how do we let the North Koreans know that we love them and that we believe that they are worth saving? Can we drop millions of crates full of KFC blue jeans and iPhones? <laughs> <laughs> that be your dream. So there are nonprofits that I work with. We send outside information to North Koreans. So I, when I was in North Korea, one of the turning points for me was watching movie Titanic. Uh, because I mean, until then, like love. I mean, we don't learn. Like we don't know right in, in North Korea. Mm-hmm. How did you get it? It's uh, through the underground market, but you wow. get executed and sent to prison camp for watching a foreign information. Wow. Yeah, if you ever read the Bible, you get executed. Yeah. Wow. So it's it's you literally risking your life to watching some movie. Mm. And I hear we just do what Netflix yeah. binge all night. Mm-hmm. North Korea, yeah. we're done. Imagine you can being actually executed for Titanic. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we do that. <laughs> but you can actually watch some really messed up stuff on the internet in America, like things you shouldn't watch. You can watch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let alone the Titanic. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. No. So I mean, those kind of things you can do. Like there are a lot of work we can do to let them know. And, I mean, a lot of people are saying, like, oh, what are I going to do? Like, North Koreans are so brainwashed, they think we are monsters. But when I came to America, like, just looking at you guys, lie doesn't have power. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. We never have to be worrying about these lies. What's the name of your nonprofit that does that? It's, oh, I'm working with the Human Rights Foundation. They mm-hmm. have this uh, program called uh, Flash Drives for Freedom. Oh, cool. So we send these USB sticks Perfect. with the information. And somehow North Koreans uh, love the Beverly Hills Desperate Wives. <laughs> wow. I don't know why, huh. but because it's so different. So they want to like, escape their life, I think. Yeah. Because you want to look at that. that. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> well, to everybody who hung out on this Friday night and smashed that like button, thank you all so very much. Subscribe mm-hmm. to the channel. Use the notification bell, I guess. It doesn't seem to work. So set uh, an alarm on your phone for 8 p.m. every day over at YouTube.com slash TimCastIRL. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at TimCastIRL. You can follow me at TimCast and go to TimCast.com, become a member. We're going to have a vlog up tomorrow over at YouTube.com slash CastCastle, which is – what did we do this time? Oh, we went to um, zip lining, And then this is this is really, really funny. Luke – Blows up the house and nukes the planet. I'm not kidding. Literally, the vlog is Luke blowing up the house. It's silly. It's fun. You'll love it. Do you? Uh, well, I guess you, I suppose you just shouted out your book and your YouTube channel already. But do you have any other social media or anything else you want to mention? Oh, well, I'm on like Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Not on TikTok. So <laughs> <No>. <laughs> find me on other platforms, please. Just YouTube is good. Yeah, it's called the Voice of North Korea. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Mm-hmm. And then uh, China Uncensored. Challenge Chris, you want to mention anything? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Shelzhang, S-H-E-L-Z-H-A-N-G. Although, to be honest, I've been 
I'm a little late on Twitter lately, but you know, <laughs> it was good for the mental health. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and you can follow China Uncensored or America Uncovered or our podcast China Unscripted on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, not TikTok. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and you guys can follow me on Twitter at Sarpashlets. And thank you guys both for coming, Yanmi. I feel like I speak for many people when I say that your story was incredibly moving. You presented it so calmly and so rationally that I think that hopefully it will change a lot of people's minds. And of course, Chris and Shelley for your knowledge about Aww. China. Thank you for having yeah. me. Three cheers for Yanmi. Yeah. Yeah, 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 for yeah. sure. Yanmi, you, you, so nice. you're the story about how you risk your life to watch a movie, mm-hmm. how you face certain death, even just staying where you were and you had to make your way to China, mm-hmm. how you endured slavery because it was better than death, but how you traveled through the desert to make it finally to South Korea to find freedom is one of the most inspirational stories I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. And so I hope it inspires many Americans to uh, stand up for what they believe in, to uh, not allow ideologues and authoritarians to take mm-hmm. over because certainly it can be it can be way worse if we do nothing. Yeah. And we have a, um, we have a lot to lose as a country, but for the time being, fighting back, we would never even risk as bad as it, as, bad as, uh, as, it, as it was for the things you've experienced. I mean, mm-hmm. Americans, their worst case scenario will never be as nearly as, as, as devastating unless we do nothing. So I hope that's a a good reminder and thank you for coming. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, everybody else, thanks for hanging out. We will see you all Monday in the next episode and have a good weekend. Bye guys.